0: This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast
1: Podcast.
2: It's Friday, June 16th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 248, powered by the National Pulse. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out Steak for Breakfast at the NationalPulse.com. There you'll find our exclusive members-only content and links that will take you to the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome, everybody! Big Friday edition of the show today. I'm Roan. Noah's here.
3: Yo, guys! We've got a great slate of guests coming in. We're going to be sitting down with Trump attorney Jesse Banal. Tea Party co-founder Michael Johns. Former Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt is gonna be here. And we'll sit down with Ron Coleman for the first time. We've also got a lot of breaking news. Donald Trump held the second ever after-indictment party helping in this week. We'll bring you the latest. Joe Biden's barista bribery scandal's heating up. And we'll hit the campaign trail. But before we get into any of the headlines, let's take it over to Jersey and change the way you consume your news. Okay, this is not Nom, This is bowling.
4: There are rules.
5: <laughs> today, Junior! America!
4: Stake
6: For breakfast! So stand by.
3: All right, Big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Welcome to the show. If you're a first-time listener, welcome back if you've been with us for a minute. Joining us first on the show today, and to get things kicked off, before we talk about the second-ever post-arraignment after-party that happened at Bedminster on Tuesday, we're going to be sitting down with an attorney for the Trump campaign. He also heads the Benal Law Group, kind of spoiled it, but it's Jesse Benal, and he's back joining us today. Sir, happy Friday.
7: Thanks for having me again.
3: Our pleasure. So, busy week for the Trump team, to say the least. Uh, We know you're working on a ton of stuff. Do you want to give us some commentary on just what you saw kind of happen on Tuesday and how we've kind of got to this point? It was really, it's been surprising kind of unpacking this for our listenership, where we are with the, you know, the charges from the special counsel and how it's weird what they're trying to apply here to President Trump. And, you know, a lot of these things just don't make sense. And maybe someone with a little bit more legal expertise than Noah and I have here on the show uh, could probably lend a little bit of insight into just what we're looking at here.
7: Well, guys, that's it's a great question. And what we're seeing is uh, what I think all Americans already know, and it's the continued weaponization of the Department of Justice. When you take and you appoint a special counsel for a case— the vast majority of the times, you're, fine, you're you're putting together a legal team whose entire purpose is to go after somebody like a pit bull, and that's especially true if you find somebody who's quite frankly a political zealot, somebody like like Jack Smith, uh, who has uh, a, a history of disregarding people's constitutional rights, disregarding um, the attorney-client privilege. Uh, I've had that in cases with him where he's violated uh, his attorneys have violated my clients. Um, uh, Sixth Amendment rights to counsel by and their, the attorney-client privilege by turning over our attorney-client communications um, to the to the prosecutors and then even to our co-defendants, um, which is how we found out about it. Um, there's he's previously had motions to dismiss for prosecutorial misconduct against his lawyers. Granted, this is a guy who's a zealot and he's out to get Donald Trump and uh, Merrick Garland by appointing him. Now, always remember personnel is policy merrick garland by appointing jack smith knew exactly what he was going to get and he just got it um he's uh, gonna he found somebody that was going to bring an indictment come hell or high water um and so uh so we're, we're off to it uh now um the, the president I, I think has a couple very good lawyers uh, already involved um in the case and you know what I can tell you already is somebody who has litigated the Presidential Records Act um, is that all the other noise aside, this prosecutor Jack Smith has indicted Donald Trump for an offense that simply does not apply to presidential records, to the, the especially to the records of a former president of the United States. Congress was very specific: the law that applies to former presidents of the United States about their records is the Presidential Records Act. But Jack Smith couldn't charge under that offense because a court has already ruled in regards to Bill Clinton that such conduct as they're alleging, even if everything that they're saying is true, is something that is not even a civil Uh, liability offense. It doesn't even give you civil liability where you can be sued for it. Nonetheless, certainly not criminal liability. So Jack Smith decided to essentially try to make up entire crime out of this. And it's exactly what we've come to expect from a weaponized federal uh, uh, law enforcement apparatus uh, at the Department of Justice and the FBI. Jesse, when you
3: talk about some of the optics of this case, some of the things we've seen making the rounds on, on cable news, especially a lot more of the progr- progressive outlets, is uh, the stacks and piles of boxes. But then when you yeah. read into the actual indictment, they cite, I believe it's 106 pages of yeah. document. They're trying to condition the American people to think that Donald Trump literally took every classified document that's available on the yeah. planet down to Mar-a-Lago and just basically stored them into places where people could literally go to the bathroom next to them. When, when, when that couldn't be further from the case, you talk about two tiers of, of justice. You have to talk about two tiers of the media and how it's impossible to get a fair shake when that's the kind of stuff that they're regurgitating to their audiences on, a, on almost a nightly basis. Now, every time they talk about this, whether it's like one commentator doing a monologue or a panel – that thing, it's just like the January 6th stuff. Every time they talk about January 6th, it was like the tightest little picture of like people pushing on police with the Capitol behind it. And that's what everybody thought January 6th was when that obviously wasn't the case. they have You know, the Weaponization Committee has completely deconstructed that narrative. And now we're starting yeah. to see the same thing with this special counsel and Donald Trump. How does he even stand a fair chance in court? I mean— Obviously, he's going to have the best legal team that that money can buy. But when, you know, the court of public opinion, there's still like 30 percent of Democrats who think Donald Trump's a Russian agent. It's just ridiculous.
7: Well, yeah. And and you're definitely going to have uh, some people that will never be uh, never be confused by the facts. Um, they're just going to believe whatever whatever MSNBC tells them. I mean, unfortunately, it's not even just MSNBC now. It's. I mean, you, you even see what's happening unfortunately in places like fox it's really sad um but yes the, the what's uh the, the corporate news media and the way that they have uh continued to misconstrue this is really disgusting um, and and let's talk about you know the boxes and and why there are so many of them and why so few of them are at issue in this indictment and the reason is is because of, you know probably the vast majority of doc, uh, documents in those boxes had nothing to do with classified material. Uh, what happened is what happens when every administration leaves office every single time is. You have to sift through the documents and decide what is a personal record and what is a presidential record. The, per- the personal records stay with the president and the-, and the presidential records go to the archives. And there can be some disagreements as to what is what obviously. And so mechanically, the way that's happened is there's a back and forth between the National Archives and the president. The first president to be subject to the uh, Presidential Records Act was Ronald Reagan. And every single president from Ronald Reagan forward has had to do this to some extent with the National Archives and Records Administration. The, the difference here is at least these records, uh, you know, we're in a very secure location, um, uh, you know, protected by the, by the Secret Service, Um, you know, not next to some bowling alley, um, as you know, in, in other, uh, in other uh, cases. Um, but yes, um, and it's, it's the perfect example of all this, of, of the two-tier justice system and a, a corporate media that is absolutely terrified of Donald Trump coming back. And, um, you know, one of the bright things that we have going on right now is the, um, is Jim Jordan's, uh, weaponization of federal law enforcement, um, uh, subcommittee going on in Congress. And guys, I truly believe that this is the most important fight um, that we've ever had in America right now. And um, if we have a weaponized uh, law enforcement apparatus that's conti- that it continued to uh, be able to go forward unchecked, Uh, we're just not going to have a republic anymore we're not we're not going to have a a country anymore and so what you know what we all need to do everybody all of us has to call our member of congress um and tell them no funding for the department of justice for the fbi you know every ability to call them to heal um that's that can be out there possible needs to to be done And members of Congress are going to tell you when you do that, that uh, your dispute's not with them, with Congress, it's with the Department of Justice, and you can call the Department of Justice. No, that's absolutely wrong. The founders gave Congress the power of the purse for a reason, so that when there was misconduct in the executive branch, exactly like we're saying now, Congress could cut off their, their, their spigot of of uh, federal funding and that's exactly what congress is supposed to do they're not gonna have the courage to do it unless americans demand that their members of congress put an end to this and and we all need to tell them i don't care what your party is if you vote to continue to fund this out of control federal uh, bureaucracy that um, is completely antithetical to the Constitution of the United States of America. We will not vote for you. We will not vote for you in a primary. We will not vote for you in a general election. This is the most important legislative fight in our history.
3: And I think as you made some excellent points there, especially regarding members with Congress, You know, we talked with so many people from the Trump team over the course of the last few weeks. We had Liz Harrington in the other day. Devin Nunes and Cash Patel have both been recently on the show as well. And we're starting to talk about seeing how this whole landscape moving into 2024 is starting to develop with such a razor thin majority in the House and and, and us just not having the Senate right now. Sending someone like President Trump back to the Oval Office in 2025 is a very important step for this country to yes. get back on the right track. However, if we don't hold our Congress people in the upper and lower chambers accountable and make them do the things that the American people send them to office for, it's going to be the same kind of deal. We're, we're going to run into problems with the House. We could lose the majority, and then you know we might not flip the Senate. We have to flip the Senate. We have to extend yep. our lead in the House. So when Donald Trump goes there after everybody i mean you even have people like nancy mace coming around right now who you know yeah. voted for impeachment twice has has spoken overtly about how she was displeased with a lot of the things president trump did in his first term but now she's going on every news uh, you know outlet that'll take her and saying like this is absolutely wrong this is not the way this country is supposed to be ran and um Although we might not get an endorsement from her, it's good to see, like, they get it. This is affecting me not only in my job, but it's in my community. It could happen to people that, you know, at my kid's school when they target PTA members and, and pro-lifers and stuff like that. So I, I think we're, we're making some good steps here. Unfortunately, people like you and President Trump have to go through the muck to get there. But uh, we couldn't ask for stronger warriors in this fight. And uh, we're really glad that you spent some time with us today, Jesse. We're going to live link yeah. uh, the website in the show description today. For anyone that's not following you on social media, what can we live link as well?
7: You can live link me. I'm on True Social and Twitter at, a, uh, at Jay Banal. And, uh, you know, always appreciate being on with you guys. Let me just say that, you know, my li- My wife works for a Republican member of Congress. I want to hear that, you know, you're, that every American that cares about this is blowing up their phones.
3: Got to do it. This guy's a constitutional <laughs> warrior right here. And we always love having Jesse Banal on the show. Jesse, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys.
8: Well, thank you very much. Thank you. It's a great honor to have you here. And today we witnessed the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. Very sad thing to watch a corrupt sitting president had his top political opponent arrested on fake and fabricated charges of which he and numerous other presidents would be guilty. Right in the middle of a presidential election in which he's losing very badly. This is called election interference, and yet another attempt to rig and steal a presidential election. More importantly, it's a political persecution, like something straight out of a fascist or communist nation. This day will go down in infamy, and Joe Biden will forever be remembered as not only the most corrupt president in the history of our country, but perhaps even more importantly, The president who, together with a band of his closest, thugs, misfits, and Marxists, tried to destroy American democracy. But they will fail, and we will win bigger and better than ever before. Charging a former president of the United States under the Espionage Act of 1917, wasn't meant for this. An act for a crime so heinous that only the death penalty would do and threatening me with 400 years in prison for possessing my own presidential papers, which just about every other president has done, is one of the most outrageous and vicious legal theories ever put forward in an American court of law. The Espionage Act has been used to go after traitors and spies. It has nothing to do with a former president legally keeping his own documents. As president, the law that applies to this case is not the Espionage Act, but very simply the Presidential Records Act, which is not even mentioned in this ridiculous 44-page indictment. Under the Presidential Records Act, which is civil, not criminal, I had every right to have these documents. The crucial legal precedent is laid out in the most important case ever on the subject, known as the Clinton Socks case. You know what that means? After leaving the White House, Bill Clinton kept 79 audio tapes in his sock drawer. They included discussions of US military involvement in Haiti. Discussions of U.S. foreign policy, both defense and offense against Cuba. Recordings of President Clinton's conversations with all of the many foreign leaders at the time. Think of that. Sensitive facts about trade negotiations taken from presidential briefings. Discussions with the Secretary of State about conflict in Bosnia and much, much more. Very big stuff. Not only was Bill Clinton never even considered for criminal prosecution based on the tapes he took, but when he was sued for them, he won the case. Judge Amy Berman Jackson's decision states under the statutory scheme established by the Presidential Records Act, the decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president during the president's term and in the president's sole discretion.
3: Well, that was President Trump Tuesday night when he returned to his resort at Bedminster. I thought the opening and the closing of his statement, which lasted nearly 40 minutes, were phenomenal. There was a lot of campaign slash policy stuff in the middle. Um, talked about everything from rampant crime and the rise of socialism in this country to, you know, open borders and, and getting the economy fixed. But specifically dialing himself into what was going on with him, little comparison there to uh, Bill Clinton and obviously the great sock debate.
2: Yeah, everything he said made perfect sense, mm-hmm. and it's completely valid.
3: And the fact that this, you know, indictment now is, is going towards a, statute that was enacted in 1917 the espionage act
2: well it'd be one thing if he was committing espionage that's the thing that's what it's for
3: (laughs) this was more of a metaphorical pissing contest between nara and the trump team because just like everything with donald trump they didn't treat him as i don't want to say a normal president just a president in general they never respected that he won the election they never respected the title of being the holder of the highest office in the land
2: and, and it continued when You're he... You're talking about the first election when he won? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, <laughs> they throw so many roadblocks at this guy to make it so he's ineffective. And yet, while he was president, he was still one of the most effective presidents that we've had. With him being bombarded with bullshit at every turn. And he was still a president that com- that he was able to do so much while, while his uh, term was in, in effect.
3: People who were taking pot shots at President Trump a couple weeks ago saying that he had no chance in New Hampshire. A new poll came out this morning that showed he was at 44%. <laughs> the next closest contestant was at 12%. That's Rob DeSantis. Um, 12%. 12%. And and Chris Christie is right on his heels now at 7%. So it's going to be great when Chris Christie catches. you
2: think Fetterman's going to announce oh, that he's going to run?
3: Stop it. It's not even the right party. <laughs> Coverage of the Trump indictment.
2: I just meant Pennsylvania.
3: And the arraignment that happened in Miami federal court last week. Across the major news networks, we're talking CNN, CBS, MSNBC, etc. 291 minutes to Donald Trump compared to the new revelations that have been unearthed in the Joe Biden-FBI burisma bribery scandal case. Zero minutes.
2: 291 is zero. Zero. Not even like a casual mention. No. Amazing. S-
3: zero. So I. it's just... Where we're at right now and, and, and the way this thing is moving. They're
2: not even addressing it to disavow it or call it fake news. They're just, just, We're just not going to talk about it. Idiotic. Joe Biden laughed about it the other day. I bet he did. And
3: uh, he had some commentary on that. We'll hear from him a little bit later in the show. And, you know, there's a couple points that we, that we need to take away when we're looking into this thing that this the indictment that's up against Donald Trump right now. At the federal level, the the Jack Smith led special counsel into the treating him not as a president should be treated. I don't even want to say it's like a classified documents scandal. That's another thing. Optics are everything. And we all saw the bathroom boxes, and then there was like another room with like a little stage and then a wall of boxes on it. So the indictment cited one hundred and
2: six documents total. That's one box
3: that's. One that's, that's a
2: pile of paper. Yeah, that's that's, one, re, that's not even a ream.
3: No, it's one-fifth of a ream of paper that you could buy at Staples.
2: And then they keep mentioning, like, the documents that were strewn all over the ground when they did their little photo op down there after they were digging through everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, he, he, it's, it's Mar-a-Lago. Like, they're not just going to have shit laying around on the ground. Well, not only did they
3: make safety alterations to the facilities when donald trump made that as permanent residence following his first term in office they even have a skiff there yeah in mar-a-lago not that it's federally certified because it's not within an office you know where classified documents are stored well technically at the time it was but you know and, and then what's going on between them kind of lacing portions of the espionage act into and around portions of the presidential record act because they want to go and hit up uh, Walt Nada, the, the Trump chauffeur, uh, deputy assistant that worked with the president, the other one that's being charged in this case. And it's like they're just extremely vague on which way. It's like either 400 years in jail or you're getting hit with like a misdemeanor, a civil penalty.
2: Or the death penalty. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the classification and, and, and national defense information, uh, you know, just because something is classified, even if it bears some of the the highest markings of, of classification which is like top secret fisa you know stuff like that, it doesn't mean that it is national defense information in regards to the espionage act
2: um well they were trying to say that the the only reason that one was national defense information is cuz it was obama's letter citing who who's the, the the numero uno of the baddies right now
3: well they were also talking about the leaked recordings from the ccp funded cnn hack who was Um, you know, working with Mark Meadows as as a portion of his memoirs that he was writing with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago where they supposedly referenced some of these. We don't even know if the paper exists. Like, Donald Trump could have held up his daily calendar and said, this is a plan that the Pentagon drafted to attack Iran. He's like, it was classified. It might not be classified. Like, I should be showing it to you. Maybe I shouldn't be showing it. Like, (laughs) maybe he was just bullshitting.
2: Yeah. Using it as
3: an example.
2: No, but that's the kind of thing that it could be. It could be like his fucking schedule where he met with a foreign leader or something like that. And they they could just say like, well, this is, you know, privileged information that he's, he's meeting with this foreign leader. It's, that's huge. It's like, no, that was his old calendar from way back in the day. Yeah, it is.
3: Uh, th- there's the whole attorney client privilege aspect of this, that this indictment relies on a significant amount of information received in one form or another from Trump's lawyers, and, and the fact that they have to testify in front of the grand jury, according to news reports, you know, the crime fraud exception, though, allows for attorney-crime privilege to be broken in rare circumstances when two requirements are, are met. So f- for attorney client privilege to get broken here, there needs to be a there-there showing that the client was engaged in criminal conduct or misconduct.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We all know that that didn't happen. And then the other one is the client has to be, Uh, he has to be in possession of or sought attorney's assistance in furthering that crime like not only did he have to fuck up he has to go to his attorney and be like like, hey i might
2: have fucked up you got to help me cover it up yeah
3: so that's that's just and then the timing of it we've heard jack smith himself saying that he wants a fast trial but now we're starting to hear that we might not get to a disposition on this or, or even in court for the first time for, until
2: the perfect timing
3: for up to a year. Yeah. For, right. When we're at the heat of, you know, the pinnacle of the GOP primary season,
2: it just, whenever you're trying to speak to somebody rationally about this kind of stuff, it's almost like you, I've mentioned this before. It's like, you almost want somebody who just woke up out of a coma, a coma who was like a total left wing nut job and hated everything about the Republican party and all, all you would have to do is just be like either a all the stuff that Joe Biden's been doing you say that you say that some Republican did it or b you tell him all the stuff that quote-unquote Trump has been doing and watch them try to sidestep around it and rationalize it and say that it's okay and that, which is basically what's happening
3: no it is and I, and I do want to stay in the thread of Jack Smith there I mean this jerk off right now is, is probably best known for messing up more than he's you know, been able to follow through with prosecutions. Everybody remembers what he did to former Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell. He threw a whole bunch of, you know, legalities and statutes of him stemming from a federal bribery accusation and and wound up putting him in jail. But then when you saw how the court case went down and everything that was going on behind the scenes, the Supreme Court uh, voted 8-0 because Antonin Scalia had passed already at the time, ruling in the favor of the former Virginia governor that he was, you know, mistreated by the justice system. they ruined Jack Smith's career here domestically so bad, he went over to serve in The Hague after that, and that's basically where he's been prosecuting war criminals for the last couple of years. We always remind our listenership that his wife is a lefty, douchey filmmaker who did the... manography?
2: Not allowed to say that anymore.
3: Chronicling the life and times of Michelle Obama.
2: Oh, yeah, you're allowed to say that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's... See what you did there. Right.
3: So it it's just when you're seeing how this thing shapes up and, and some of the logistics of it, there's there's a lot in question surrounding this before we even get into the courtroom. Um, number one being like, are these charges, especially the espionage act ones that they're trying to lay on Donald Trump even relevant? We know Judge Cannon's not gonna, you know, run away and, and, and be an Obama judge or a Clinton judge. She was appointed by Trump and, and she smelled something fishy about this from the beginning. Uh, apparently there's like some option where they can try to force her to recuse herself simply based off the fact that she was appointed by Donald Trump. And then they try to move this to New Jersey, which is just as bad as having it in New York or Washington DC. So we're, we're, we're kind of in that situation and uh we're going to see how it's going to develop now as we move forward, getting back t- focused on the campaign and, and, and getting away from this, at least, you know, while the legal teams kind of take shape and they figure out what the uh, overall defenses are going to be. I mean, The the SOC ruling is one thing. I think the Nixon one is another. I don't really know if you can compare this to Clinton and Biden and and what's going on with them and what happened with the email server and stuff just because they weren't presidents. And the fact that they either, you know, emailed classified material from her personal home as as Kill Dog did or or whatever the hell Joe Biden. I mean, that guy's got classified documents from, you know, here to Maine strewn all over the uh, northern eastern seaboard. So,
2: I mean, but the... the the most important part about that is that he's not allowed to have any of that.
3: None. And neither was she. Yeah. We'll never know about hers because of the bleach bit component of it and, you know, smashing with things that may or may not have been hammered. Suck on that, fact checkers. But oh, mm. I, I do want to get to the back end of Donald Trump's speaking event at Bedminster the other day following his return from Miami after he visited the world famous Versailles Bakery down there on Calle Ocho. Delicious. Yes, it is. And uh, that reminds me of Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. All right, let's jump into this and, and hear the back end of this, and we'll talk about
8: it a little bit more. that, as we are, is in serious, serious decline. We have a nation in serious decline. If the communists get away with this, it won't stop with me. They will not hesitate to ramp up there. Persecution of Christians, pro-life activists, parents attending school board meetings, and even future Republican candidates—which they do—we must end it permanently and we must end it immediately. Now that the seal, so important, is broken, the seal is broken by what they've done. They we got to ask them about never that. never have done this.
2: The seal. Mm.
8: This was an unwritten rule. You just don't, unless it's really bad. But you just don't. But the seal is now broken. In addition to closing the border and removing all of the criminal elements that have illegally invaded our country, making America energy-independent and even dominant again, and immediately ending the war between Russia and Ukraine, I'll have it ended in 24 hours.
3: I believe it. At this rate.
8: I will appoint a real special prosecutor. Mm. You go after the most corrupt president in the history of the United States of America, Joe Biden, and the entire Biden crime family, name a special prosecutor, and all others involved with the destruction of our elections, our borders, and our country itself. They're destroying our country. And when I'm reelected, and we will get reelected, we have no choice. We're not going to have a country anymore. I will totally obliterate the deep state. We will obliterate the deep state. I'm starting
3: to believe that now. And we know who they are. I know
8: exactly who they are. They want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. It's very simple. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. They want you silent. And I am the only one that can save this nation because you know, they're not coming after me, they're coming after you, and I just happen to be standing in their way and I will never be moving. On November 5th, 2024, justice will be done. We will take back our country and we will make America great again. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great job. Thank you.
3: Crappy way to start his birthday, to be honest with you. Yeah, He was very thankful for all the people that showed up, though. I'll be honest, but... When you kind of... uh, Sit there and listen to some of the things he's outlining... It's becoming a lot more believable. I mean, listen, there's been people coming on this show for the last two years now almost and saying they've been making lists and checking them twice. Oh, yeah. And for as much as they like to dunk on and posterize the Ron DeSantis paid Florida influencer industrial complex online, I think they have a lot larger targets waiting for them in the D.C. swamp that not only are you going to see people booted out of
2: career positions, uh, fired on the spot, have their security clearances stripped. I can you imagine being some of these people that are gambling with this? It's like they must they must have been told they have so much smoke blown up their ass that oh no, he's never gonna be president again. You're fine, we're we're just gonna shit on him and just do whatever you gotta do. And now they're seeing that he's up in the polls. I mean, unless they actually throw throw him in jail, he he'd run from jail. Who cares? Yeah. It's it's gonna be really interesting to see how
3: some of these people who have, you know, sold out and jumped over to another candidate in the GOP primary right now or all the people, you know, the powders who were standing there in the White House driveway with their arms folded watching Donald Trump move his furniture in on day one, you know, how everything's going to go down and how big of an impact he's going to be able to make. Um, You know, he's got so much stuff to do both here and abroad as well, in addition to finding out who's going to be the next bearer of the MAGA mantle, uh, after his next term in office. I did say he was thankful for everyone that supported him not only in Miami But made the trip up to Bedminster that night and uh, he put out a message on his birthday to reiterate that fact Let's hear it
8: the thousands of people in Miami great place for maybe you've showing heard up at the courthouse and Doing it in such an elegant manner, but showing respect Because you recognize that this was a false and fraudulent indictment of me by corrupt people to see the love and the the just the spirit was incredible it was an incredible thing to witness and the hispanic community cuba venezuela nicaragua so much
0: and Where so many Rico? so many
8: people Where to Rico? i just want to thank everybody it was heartwarming to watch it the love I actually thought he was going to say it. the total love and the spirit so, again, to Miami and to all of the people in Miami, which we've had tremendous success with, which is very, very special and a very special place, but more importantly, very, very special people, thank you very much for being there. I appreciate it.
1: Hmm.
8: Yeah.
3: Another poll just dropped today. Five of six registered Republican women would prefer Donald Trump over Rob DeSantis. Five of six? Yeah. Wow. So I mean, I'm, I believe it. Yeah, it's uh, the numbers, I think people are starting to get it. I think the more we stay away from...
2: The more they do this, the more he becomes an unstoppable force is yep. really what
3: happens. I do like that they're kind of staying away from some of those topics that we, we read some polls on the show on Tuesday. They don't really you know, want to hear as much about anymore. We'll talk about election interference now moving forward instead of rigged and stolen from back in 2020. Like, we know it. We get it. We'll never forget it, but better days ahead. And we have to really continue to remind ourselves, like, it's the fight that's in front of us, not the one, the battle we've already, you know, lost. The overall war is still going on. So if we're just going to continue to mull on it, we very well may be repeating history. But I don't think that's the case from the Trump team. It looks like they've definitely segued into election interference, talking about everything from special counsels to, you know, what they plan on doing in the next election cycle as well, making these crazy stipulations for the debates and who they are and aren't going to allow on the stages and, and where the debates are and what the moderators are going to be. So, you know, it's just kind of the way that the the day ended. I think it was probably one of the darkest days legally in U.S. history uh, regarding, you know, government officials. We're talking about the former president of the United States here, the, the leading GOP. Republican candidate in the next election. But uh, Donald Trump figured out how to make it on a high note, you know, and it's, that's just the way you have to look at it. So understand that everything's going on around him is very bad and very serious. But at the same time, we've seen every other way that they've tried to get him out of the way. Mm -hmm. He keeps saying he's standing in the way and he's the only one doing it. And, He's made it through, so my instincts are telling me, my gut's telling me that he's going to be just fine. Probably not going to like how we get to being just fine. It's got to be wearing down on the man, but, you know, we, we, we need to take into consideration all the stuff that's going on and, uh, you know, know that they're going to be all right. I want to remind everybody to wherever they're listening to the show today, whether it be on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeart, make sure you're subscribed to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Rate the show, leave a review. And then across social medias, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram. Follow us, hit the notification bell, and of course our new home at thenationalpulse.com. Sign up, you get a month free, tons of bonus content, editorial commentary, bonus shows from Fleckus Talks and Steak for Breakfast. You couldn't ask for much more, even though they've got a lot more great features at the National Pulse coming down the pike. And as we're getting ready to jump in right now, with Ron Coleman for the first time, really excited for that. I do want to remind our listenership, you know, we always try to not only paint you guys a picture, a complete canvas of what's going on all over the place regarding the news of the week and what you should be listening to instead of what you're hearing on TV. We'll get to a couple of the meltdowns on some of the more progressive networks later. Mm. But it's just like we said with Eric Holder last week when he's already, you know, kind of saying that as soon as Donald Trump beats all this and, and gets elected next year, we, we immediately start the impeachment process. Like, snap of the finger, you win, impeachment process. They don't even know what it's for. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where they tell you what they're going to do, and then they try to bury it and make it seem like the person that they're going after is the reason that they're doing it because they're doing stuff that's wrong, as they are with, you know, the Espionage Act and Donald Trump, which isn't the case. But Joe Biden just last year was asked at a press conference, one of the very few that he did, and one of the fewer times he's actually given an accurate answer.
2: Come on, Jack. When it was actually sounded competent? Ish? Ish? Let's hear him.
1: That G7 conversation was tied to your predecessor, who is about to launch another campaign. So, how do you reassure them if that is the reason for their questioning that? the former president will not return, that his political movement, which is still very strong, uh, will not oh, yeah? once again take power in the
9: United <laughs> States? <laughs> well, um, oh yeah, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by, uh, if, we, uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he, uh, under the legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next
2: president again. And there it is, clear as day. I think anybody in the back room is just like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> I mean, that's every time he talks. But
3: Because that's probably what they say behind closed doors 24-7. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll just figure it out.
2: No, but that's literally just an admission of guilt. It's like it doesn't matter whether he wins or loses. If he wins, we're just going to fuck him up regardless.
3: Yeah, so that was kind of the week that was in between arraignment day and now. And we're going to get on the fallout from some of this in our next news segment, and then try to catch up on the latest with what's going on. Because again, 290 minutes to zero minutes, all the other major news networks on Tuesday night regarding the
2: Trump arraignment and Joe Biden's uh, bribery scheme. That's kind of blowing up. And that has to be considered damning because it's the fact that they're not even like, hell, it's fake news and blah, blah, blah. They're just not even going to address it.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, you, you would think in a normal Society that we live in. Oh,
2: look what the Republicans are claiming again. The, look what Donald Trump is claiming. Blah 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 blah. Yeah.
3: You'd think that the FBI would have taken this over, or the DOJ would have assigned a special counsel. However, they're more worried about special counseling Donald Trump, and the FBI's had most of this material since late 2019.
10: Yeah, that we know
2: about. It's it's so dirty. It is filthy. Like when when you make comments about like the swamp. Like this is the swamp. Yeah. This is. This is the bottom of the swamp. This is like after you fall in the swamp and you die and you sink to the bottom. This is where all the skeletons are.
3: This is where Joe Biden's depends go when they flush them. Mm -hmm. They don't clog up the pipes. Come on, Jack. It's the White House. (laughs) We're getting ready to sit down with Ron Coleman right now. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing My Pillow, and now have the My Pillow Version 2.0. You enter promo code Stake at checkout, you're going to get buy one get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like My Pillow dog beds, the Airlandell Version One and Two My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you enter promo code Stake here, you're going to get 25% off your order, or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative,
5: 1-800-658-8045.
3: All right, joining us next on this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he is a partner over at the Dylan Law Group. He also has a podcast. I don't want to spoil it with the name because we're about to introduce him. Mr. Ron Coleman, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, how are you?
9: Thanks for having me.
3: Oh, well, it's our pleasure. Listen, long time we've been tracking you, and we are glad to finally connect. It's our pleasure to host you today. How's everything going on in your neck of the woods right now? It's been pretty busy times, but in regards to just you in general, what's uh, what's some of the latest that you can give our listenership as you're uh, joining us today?
9: Me in general, I'm feeling pretty good. I had a good day. Uh, got to dress up like a big boy for, uh, for a deposition in a lawsuit, a trademark case, and uh, you know, There's a lot to be said for dressing up like an adult, especially when you're as adult as I am, you know? Walking on on Fifth Avenue in hard-soled shoes and a Brooks Brothers suit and a a woven, handmade USA tie, it almost feels like it's the 90s or something. That's how far back I remember feeling this good.
3: (laughs) I wish it were still the 90s when you see all the craziness that's going on around everywhere, but... I, I like where you're uh, going with that, Ron. It's uh, been a really busy last couple of weeks for for America First here on the show. There's been a lot of stuff that's been going on, but I think the biggest thing that everybody's still talking about is, you know, following the arraignment of Donald Trump down in Miami federal court this week. How did you, as someone that's extremely connected to everything that's going on, you know, legally and and, and really have your hand on the pulse of the, of the way the justice system is kind of shaping itself over the last several years now that we've gotten to this point to where we're still going to continue to play this tit-for-tat lawfare. But now, instead of just going after the random staffer or or anything like that, you know, the guy who's Sandy Berger-style shoving documents in his underwear and trying to sneak out of the skiff, we're we're dragging the last president of the United States in the federal court and, and arraigning him for, you know, basically... At the end of the day, you can look, you, Maybe you can give our, our listenership a little bit on on what exactly you think it is. I mean, between the Nara laws and, and the, the Espionage Act that they're trying to tie this into, what what's what's actually like? You know, what what the here? What's really going on here? What the hell's
9: going on here? Yes,
3: yes. So it's, listen,
9: I am so well connected that I can't speak too too precisely because our firm does represent the Trump campaign, yep. but but we don't represent. President Trump in a criminal matter, um, and I but I can tell you that the reason we're here today is because of all their slaps on the wrists that were given to the likes of Sandy Berger uh, while D-Democ- other Democrats you know in more recent times have been utterly permitted to get away with the most open and notorious uh, abuses of office, including secrecy and classified, uh, you know, the failure to uh, maintain classified information securely. Well, at the same time, Republicans have systematically been subject to the most over-the-top prosecutions and investigations. And there's always, there's been a ratcheting effect, and everyone thinks, well, okay, this is a little bit beyond what we're used to, but you know, we're still within uh, hailing distance of norms. We still understand there's still a basic fundamental trustworthiness to the system. People are still basically doing their jobs. And guess what? We, we're we way past hailing distance of norms. We are absolutely in banana republic territory. Historians will write about this as a crucial period in American history where there are simply no breaks. There is no shame. And... M- multiple significant and powerful f- sectors of American elite society ha- are in on it and they're couldn't, they couldn't be co- more comfortable with it.
3: But when you look at it from, you know, 50,000 feet and, and you see low level staffers on one end, and then you talk about some of the the larger cases, there was stuff that obviously happened, you know, Decades ago, with Richard Nixon, you you saw all the stuff that happened. Uh, when Bill Clinton left the White House, you have some more of the the more recent ones like Hillary Clinton and her, you know, bathroom server, and now Joe Biden. Yep. This all the stuff that's been uncovered this year with you know he's got no business having any of the classified material he had. We we all know that he was you know sharing them on policy points and, and things of that nature down over at the University of Penn Center in Washington D.C. when when Tony Blinken and all his friends that jumped into the highest level positions in our government during the Biden administration, where we're talking with their geopolitical counterparts and, and international lobbyists, uh, a lot of the America First rivals throughout the course of Joe Biden's time out of office. And, and now you, you you get the president of the United States, which basically seems, in this case at least, that it was, uh, you know, I could do it. No, you can't. I could do it. We're raiding your house. I still think I could do it. Now you're in court and being faced with hundreds of years in jail. Uh, that what do we do to fix this justice system that we're in right now? I mean, you're going in and out of court every day. You're obviously advising some of the most highest profile people in the world. You guys say you represent the Trump team in a lot of their, in, in their dealings and stuff like that. So what, what do we do to fix this problem? It's like if you roll the dice and get thrown into a bad state or a bad court or a bad city, uh, it, it doesn't matter if you're... As innocent as innocent could be, you're going to jail forever if, if, if that's the case You know, with, with a lot of these things. Uh, and we, it just doesn't seem like there's any answers to, to getting this justice system fixed. And then when you talk about the Department of Justice, it's like obviously Merrick Garland was a revenge hire when Joe Biden picked him up to run the DOJ. And he just has kind of, I mean, he talked about the integrity of the Justice Department, you know, just this week, when when you see all this crazy stuff going on, and you know, that they're running without any integrity in a lot of the stuff that they're doing, especially in these dealings, when it comes against, uh, you know, going after Republicans.
9: There's only one thing I can think of that can work. I mean, I can tell you that People such as uh, my colleagues and Harmy Dillon uh, and my other colleagues in the Dillon Law Group, and the other handful of out and proud America First lawyers at the elite level. And I will I will say that our law firm is is at, uh, operates at an elite level. Sure. Um, First of all, there are very few of us because the vast majority of major law firms and the, the you know institutional law firms that have historically been so important and and, and public interest law firms as well, such as the, uh, the ACLU and the like, um, they're not they're not interested in preserving these in uh, preserving fundamental rights. They're not interested in good government. They are what we learn is that all the talk about. Uh, freedom of speech and 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 due process that was all about what does it take for us to shift power in our direction all the altruism that was people were given every benefit of the doubt for you can flush it away as they have flushed it away so what do we do now that we know how we got here notwithstanding that there's a handful of us which is how i started this answer not that there's there's standing there is a there are a handful of us pushing back as the extent that we possibly can the only possible answer that really works is for everyone to go see what Scott Pressler is doing. He has it figured out. He has an answer to every, and remember it's incomprehensible to me that anyone listening to steak for breakfast doesn't know who Scott Pressler is, but he is the master grassroots ignored by the GOP leadership. Um, vote grassroots vote and registration getter in America. And he will answer the question that your listeners are now pounding their, uh, you know, their, their little Bluetooth speakers. But they cheat. Why it, Voting doesn't even matter because they cheat. Scott will explain to you. It does matter. There are ways. A lot of what you're calling cheating is stuff that's perfectly legal, yep. and we need to learn how to do it also. All we, look at the margin in the house. Look what a difference. Look at the stuff we're seeing on Twitter just in the last couple of weeks where outstanding members of congress republicans are asking hard questions to members of the uh, members of the biden administration that they can't or won't answer that's the beginning of things w- turning our way and and why is that possible because we have a slim majority but a majority in the house of representatives we must keep that majority and and there's another thing that has to happen and, and no one who's listening to this can make it happen uh, except by praying and and that is for the supreme court to get off his ass a lot of the problems that we have a lot of the ju- of, of the problems with the justice system with cr- the criminal justice system with the politicization and weaponization of the justice system a lot of problems with the fbi are the result of the supreme court and this is and this is a, a justice roberts who I, i'm hoping he doesn't listen to this but he probably does because he's a smart guy yeah, he is. um Justice Roberts, talking to you, your incrementalism, your understandable and intellectual reluctance to take a bite out of what I'll call crime, take a bite out of abuse of the courts and only decide cases at the most most minimal incremental um, unit possible has, to a large extent, gotten us to where we are today. It's got to stop. The court has, it, it is, I believe, When given the opportunity to actually make decisions on cases, it's fairly trustworthy. Yes, from time to time, a Republican appointed justice has let us down. That's always going to happen. We don't need to win them all, but we need to win some of the really, really big ones. And there's one more point, and I've said this in my rants, I've said this in my videos and on Twitter, I've said it in the podcast a little bit, but that's the Culmination podcast. People have to be prepared to stand up and let them let their names be known, let their faces be known. I know it is risky. I know that people have to put food on the table. But if we don't hang together, we'll most assuredly hang separately. If Once your neighbor sees that you're willing to put your name and face on the line and to stand up and to go to that school meeting and, and to sign that petition, that makes your neighbor willing to do it also when the organs of communication and social control are in the hands of people who are contemptuous of us and our values the only way for individuals on our side to make a difference is for others um, in everyone in that group to know that they're not alone
3: the grassroots activism and how it starts to flip seats at the lowest levels the precinct levels the mayoral levels, and that starts to spill into larger elections, all the way up to as you mentioned it. It's so important. You know, we had the official spokeswoman for President Trump on the show on Tuesday, Liz Harrington. Uh, we were talking about that slim majority in the House and how this upcoming election isn't about just who will eventually be the GOP nominee, but we've seen what Mitch McConnell has done or hasn't done in the Senate to back anything that that you know has to do with America First. We see how slim of a majority, how limit, save, grow, can get passed in the House and then get crushed behind closed doors in negotiations and and, and how this election is about the totality uh, of the entire superstructure in, in Washington, D.C. that's going to support who's eventually going to be the next president, that if we don't take this seriously, I mean, you had Eric Holder uh, on Jen Psaki's show over the weekend, Ron, and he was saying, like, they're starting to understand, and he was really kind of defeatist at first in saying, like, you know, if Donald Trump can get through this, which don't think it's weird if he does, because they know it's all BS, uh, we, right. sh- we should use the 2024 presidential election as, you know, you vote on, on this day in November, and the day after, if he's the winner, we automatically draft articles of impeachment before he even gets sworn in in January. And it's like, that that's a huge red flag to me that says, Hey Kevin McCarthy, hey everybody that's working on reelections and is going to start complaining about candidate quality and all the things we don 't have if you guys don't take care of business in this upcoming election when you have you know a GOP nominee at the top of the ticket running for president and you lose the house this is exactly where Hakeem Jeffries is going to take that and he's going to run it into you know uh, impeachment for if it's Donald Trump, so be it. And if it's anybody else, it's it's going to be the exact same thing. And if anybody thinks otherwise, just, you know, when they're done with him, they're going on to the next person, whoever they think is the next big fish, him, all their families, Absolutely. all their staffers, and it's just going to be a cycle until we could smash through it
9: and break it. And, Rome, I'll tell you one thing that I don't, do not understand. It's this viciousness that people, including many of my friends, have displayed on Twitter uh, toward... You know, basically the, the infighting between Trump people and DeSantis people. Sure. I know, we all know where it started. We, I get that. But the idea, it's one thing for someone like a former president with a ton of personality and his own kind of phenomenal charisma to sort of, it's kind of, you know, Donald Trump has a kind of a shtick. Okay, I get that. And I understand that there are people, including many who I know and have really gravely disappointed me, who make a living from being paid to, to be proxies to, to spread that stuff around. I get that, too. But the idea that, that now every random is going to jump in and start repeating nonsense like, you know, Ron DeSantis is part of the deep state or, you know, or any, you know, Trump is 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 the worst thing that, that can happen to the party. Dude, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to save the country. Yeah. I mean, people, for just yesterday, there was a, a, a video that went a bit viral of, uh, of some congressional questioning by our favorite eye patch wearing rhino. <laughs> and people didn't know what to do without it. And, 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 you know, oh, gosh, look for, look, look for a change. Wow, he actually did something. Guess what? This guy's a Republican, okay? You can't, and, you know, and to some extent this goes with Mitch McConnell, too. You know, there were moments during the Trump administration, not nearly enough, but there were moments during the Trump administration when McConnell really, really stood up. And did what he had to do. You know, what people don't appreciate this, and I don't know if it's my experience as a lawyer or just being a 60-year-old guy and having seen a few things in my life. But a lot of younger people don't appreciate that life very seldom presents people with the opportunities to make the right call at every moment, in every situation, and without respect to a and friendships and obligations. They call politics the art of compromise, and people have forgotten about that. Mm. Did Mitch McConnell compromise too much? To, and McCarthy? And did Donald Trump during his first uh, uh, term? You know, was he naive about the extent to which he could bring people along with, along with him? I think we all were. I think you know everyone has twenty twenty hindsight. You've got to recognize who, who the enemy is. And you know, yeah, the big boys want to fight, and they want to throw mud at each other, and they think that's a good idea. This early in the pre-primary season, I don't really get that, uh, but they've got the reasons for it. I, I'm I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it is what it is. Sure. But you're some of the you're some anonymous ten thousand or five thousand or three hundred, uh, you know, follower, uh, Norma, you know, uh, r- random on 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 Twitter, and you're going to now start laying into people for being rhinos. The thing about rhinos is that they're they're usually dependent on someone like Ronald McDaniel for funding or for precinct help. Like you, you, people that just, you've got to appreciate that it's not all about spouting opinions on social media. It's about making things happen, making things happen, funding things so that they can happen. uh, Building alliances, getting people to co-sponsor your bills and to vote for your bills, your version of the bills. Life is complicated. The enemy is by far not our side, not the people on our in our party. It's the other side. Yes, we should be putting pressure on people who are weak on moral issues and on political issues and on criminal justice and on, on weaponization. I think really cool stuff is going on in the House right now. But pressure is good. Let's remember what, side, what we're really fighting against here, which as you put it before, Ron. We're talking about really the final unraveling of everything that we grew up expecting America stood for.
3: That's it right there. I I don't recognize the world that I grew up in. I'm, I'm, you know, reached a point now to where it's like, I'm I'm so fearful to let my kids go out of the house and go to school and and even be in like their sports and stuff like that, because you don't know what kind of, you know, radical progressive interests are going to be shoved down their throat that they might not even understand at the time. You know, might not understand it in a way where they don't come home and tell me and my wife. And then 10 years from now, this is like the root cause or the source that they reference on on some radical change that they made in their life, which, you know, has just become normal in the society today. And then when you talk about, you know, the rhinos up in Washington, D.C., and everything that's going on between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis right now, I I completely agree with you. I I wish it hadn't gotten to this point. escalated so quickly because this is a, a marathon it's not a sprint and, and still 17 months out before we go to the ballot box ron it's pretty crazy to see i That's mean a long way we got shirts off in, in a waffle house parking lot and, and everybody's <laughs> yelling fight 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 right now when it comes down to these two candidates And then when you talk about the rhinos just in general, listen, look at the 180 that Nancy Mace has made in the last couple months. I mean, she gets it. She may have not agreed with everything that Donald Trump did when he was in office. She may have gone with some of the good old boys when it came to voting for impeachments when he was up for it. But now it's like, you know, she's a mom and she's not an old uh, congresswoman. And I think she goes home at the end of the day and she's like, listen, I may not have liked the guy who was the president last time, but I did not pay for this. And this is not the America that I want my kids to grow up in, that I want to have to go up on Capitol Hill and go back to my constituents in South Carolina and answer to. And, you know, when you got her out there like boldly defending America first and the weaponization of the Justice Department and all the stuff that's going on in Washington, uh, D.C. right now, it's actually kind of surprised me how much of a turnaround she's made. But at the end of the day, you kind of hope that these people that you put in office show a little bit of being an actual human being and not just one of these like untouchable figures that you see do the cable news rung, and then you see him on the house or senate floor and then you don't hear anything else about him i think we got a little bit spoiled with donald trump of uh, how much of a touchable and interactive person he was with the american public we haven't seen presidents like that in a really long time and and when you see some of the congress people start to bring it back down to the ground level and really start to listen to the people and their concerns I mean, I thought it was a huge win just recently. You see, MLB has, has ditched their whole uh, Pride Month events, and they're not going to be forcing you know uh, alternative uniforms on their players in the game because it's just like that's not what the people want. You know, they they want to grow up in a nice, wholesome, and strong America. They don't want to have to worry about you know taking their kids out and seeing all this degenerate stuff that's kind of taking over everything right now. And it all comes and starts with how we've let everything get out of control and, and goes back to you got to vote the right people in because if you have enough of them, it doesn't matter how much influence these big corporations have. If you're putting the right people in office, they're not going to get bought over by the lobby groups.
9: And then, and then it's the information and the media. And, you know, the, old, the institutions that control the dominant and the official and the elite narrative, they're lost. They're irretrievably lost. Yeah. But you know what? Everyone in America has to have steak for breakfast. The fact is, podcasts, uh, just, and, and now thanks to Elon Musk, who is going on history as an epical figure because of his contribution of a amount of personal wealth to change history and to basically to save America, there are ways of getting out information that simply didn't exist. And, and in many respects, as bad As bad as things are and as compromised as these major institutions have become, never have the tools been in place in modern times for popular change to take place, for grassroots-level feedback over what is possible, what's good and what's desirable, and and where we're going to go as a country. It's It's doable, and we've got to do it.
3: Well, oh, it certainly is, and and you know what else we've had got to do, Ron. We've got to get you back on the show at some point soon. It's been way too long, and now My I just want, a real pleasure. I, I could go on with this conversation and and just keep it going. And I think we might have you come and join us for an, an edition of Red Meat at some point in the future. Our Sunday edition of the show, which cool. uh, you know, was more of a little bit of intimate setting. We could lay out a couple big topics that you know are burning everybody, uh, and and just kind of hammer them out and give some plausible solutions to all the stuff that's going on. Listen, Sounds we're, we're going to live link your website and your podcast in the show description today, but for anyone that's not following you on social media, where can we track you at?
9: The best place to go is Twitter, at Ron Coleman, spelled R-O-N-C-O-L-E-M-A-N, Ron Coleman, and you can find all the other links there, and I'm an incredible, incredibly shameless self-promoter, so if you get there, you'll find everything else. Real, Really good talking to you today, and I really... Thank you for the opportunity.
3: Uh, we're looking forward to having you back again. This is a partner over at the Dillon Law Group. He's also the host of Coleman Nation. Mr. Oh. Ron Coleman, thanks for joining us on the show today. You're welcome.
5: National security laws uh, and then obstructing and refusing to cooperate with the FBI.
7: Yeah, uh, whatever this spectacle is that's unfolding before us, let's remember what this case is about. Let's remember what this indictment charges. Again, Donald Trump is charged with a series of federal felonies for mishandling the most sensitive government documents that we have and for obstruction of justice, along with Walt Nada, who is charged with intentionally setting up lies to the grand jury, to the FBI. Any way you look at this,
4: and again, despite whatever may be going on in that restaurant, this case isn't going to be settled legally. In a cafe, it's going to be settled in the court based on the, the facts and law.
5: The folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He, this, he's trying to turn this and he's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. Uh, let's go over again the thirty-seven charges oh. that Donald Trump is facing oh. uh, right now. We don't have to go into each one. Sure. But, but, uh, Ellie, if you could like basically detail what are what are the allegations here
11: judges are supposed to. Now, I need to say that former President Trump has just started uh, making public remarks, just as he did on the evening of his first arraignment on criminal charges. That was April, when he was booked on 34 felony counts brought by the state of New York. Now, tonight, after his arraignment on federal felony charges, he's speaking again, this time to an audience of his supporters that's gathered for a a campaign fundraiser tonight at his his golf club and summer home in New Jersey. Um, We knew heading into this that he was planning to make these remarks. We are prepared for his pre-fundraiser remarks tonight to again be essentially a Trump campaign speech. Because of that, we do not intend to carry these remarks live. Um, As we have said before in these circumstances, there is a cost to us as a news organization to knowingly broadcast untrue things. We are here to bring you the news. It hurts our ability to do that if we live broadcast what we fully expect in advance to be a litany of lies and false accusations, no matter who says them. And I do not say this with any glee. I hope it is clear that this is not a glib decision. We take our responsibilities seriously. We revisit decisions like this all the time. We make the best call that we can in real time, every time. But tonight, our call is this. We will monitor that speech by the newly indicted former president. We will not carry his remarks live. If he says anything newsworthy, we promise we will turn
2: that right around and bring it back to you. <laughs> well, those were two dudes who were we we're, we're just, we're just mad. Not, we're not going to address it. We're not going to play any of his audio. Coping not going to let him it. defend himself.
3: Lion Jake Tapper and mm. always big mad Randy Maddow <laughs> coping and seething on their cable news networks. What an embarrassment. Ugh. And uh, you, listen, when I said the coverage was Two hundred ninety-one minutes to zero. Those were the two flagships of progressive propaganda, right there. Yeah. Both Jake Tapper asking his, you know, producer to cut away from the live feed, and, and Rachel Maddow just saying like, "We're not even going to show. You know, what we're going to show still shots of boxes and warehouses." Like
2: they they got mad at them for the people in the control room. Like, well, don't don't do that.
3: Just an embarrassing way to go through this. This is the going to be, I think Jesse Benal said it correctly at the top of the show. This is going to be one of the largest, if not the largest legal case in the history of United States, period. You're talking about taking a former president and putting him in jail for what could be a sentence of up to 400 years.
2: It's literally what happens in third world countries. They jail the opposition party. They make it impossible for, opposition media to exist it's it's what we're seeing right now in this country it's insanity and history is not going to look back favorably on this like everybody that thinks i'm on the right side of history right now like no you're you're fucking up
3: and all those people that are out there saying like donald trump shouldn't be hosting friends family and donors at his you know new jersey golf course
2: he should be worrying about his life, they're just. What, what else is he gonna do? Yeah, there's nothing he can do. He's got lawyers; they're working on it. And quite frankly, when you know you're innocent, you don't really have to stress that much on proving it. Well,
3: I think that's like the there, there. The way that these charges are are drawn up, they're they're trying to like. Okay, first you hit him on this, then you hit him on that. If this doesn't work, we'll try that. You're seeing so many things that have never happened before. Again, this isn't even as. They went after Richard Nixon, who they actually tied stuff to, you know, direction that came out of the Oval Office during his presidency, Mm -hmm. lighter than this because of how absolutely adored that man was. You know, the 49-state reelection that he had for the start of his second term um, before he decided to take on the administrative state, and look where that got him. I mean, eventually it got him paid because the federal government Paid him 18 million dollars for all the documents he took with him that's back.
2: insane
3: but they didn't charge him with the espionage act
2: like just eight 18 million? Millions and millions <laughs> <laughs> I I mean that's just wild mm-hmm. they want to pay Donald Trump no no they want to pay him with jail sentences what if, what if he offers to take like five percent? He's like the funnest president or 10% ever to, but he won't be the big guy.
10: Yeah.
3: It's cause they all scumbagged him, And now retribution is coming. I'm, I'm believing it more and more at a higher level every day because
2: we can't just keep going down this road. But what do you think the backup plan is like, okay, so we're going to just gum him up legally. That's not going to work. We're going to impeach him again. If he does win, that's not going to work. Like, it's getting crazier and crazier. Like, how long until people start taking pot shots at this guy?
3: Mm. Like, I
2: don't, I'm definitely not fucking predicting that, but geez, like, w- look at the direction we're headed. Speaking of which, believe it or not, one thing you usually don't hear when special counsels
3: are appointed is the attorney general who assigned them make any kind of commentary on the cases before we get to a disposition. Oh, that sounds reasonable. Well, Merrick Garland decided to talk about it anyway. Let's hear him.
11: calling your prosecutors names Republicans in Congress some of them have been talking about weaponization of the justice system when did you find out the special counsel was headed down this track and why did why did you choose not to stop him as was in your power
10: so
0: uh, as you know I can't talk about uh, particular particulars of this or any other ongoing criminal matter but let me do it anyway when I pointed uh, Mr. Smith I did so because it underscores the Justice Department's commitment to both independence and accountability. Mr. Smith is a veteran career prosecutor. He has assembled a group of experienced and talented prosecutors and agents who share his commitment to integrity and the rule of law. Any questions about this matter will have to be answered by their filings in court. Fuck you. I hate you. Man. <laughs> Jeez.
3: That guy's
2: a piece of work.
3: Did you hear that question she let in with? Yeah. We've heard the former president now referring to your special prosecutors with nasty names. It's <laughs> <Just> like. <laughs> You are a nasty person. What do you want? What do you want him to do? Say he doesn't like the fact that Donald Trump calls him the deranged <laughs> Jack Smith <laughs> and his Michelle Obama-loving wife, which goes down a whole other road. Vagina? Maybe, maybe not. That we don't want to talk about. <laughs> so that's the thing. And, and, and you know what? We, we can't give the totality of our show's attention to this because there is some other stuff that's starting to heat up uh, up on Capitol Hill, namely with the Biden Barisma bribery scandal. Mm. We've seen some stuff coming up over the last couple days.
2: Wh- where have you seen it?
3: Not like it's being reported Not anywhere. on the media. Yeah. I, you, listen, you've got... Is Fox even touching it? Well, here's the thing. Maria does. Mm-hmm. She's on Fox Business in the morning, though. Boomer Sweats does, but he, he'll lead in with that on the same show that he does The Stupid Ass, uh. and we're going to get to this in News 3. Did you see the Gavin Newsom, American Psycho interview he did with Boomer Sweats the other oh, day? Geez. It was awful. Gavin Newsom took Sean Hannity for a ride.
2: Really? Yeah. Listen. Did he, did he go through his, his morning routine? He needs to
3: go and return <laughs>
2: some cassettes. I have to return some videotapes.
3: Gavin Newsom came prepared. A lot of talking points that he knew Sean Hannity was probably going to hit him on. The drug epidemic. The border crisis. Homelessness. Crime. The economy. The exodus from the state. And Gavin Newsom had prefab commentary to retort that they also talked about a potential i guess brett bear started this uh congressional series that it, it's kicking off i believe on monday so he's brett bear's gonna have an interview with donald trump which is weird because they haven't talked since brett bear called arizona an hour and a half before the poll, polls closed i just don't understand that listen you gotta get the message out and later that night they're gonna have the first well, i meant calling arizona no, that's, a, that's what I mean. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. But Donald Trump returning to Fox News constantly, it's to get the message out yeah, to, yeah. to the base. Um, he'll be back on Twitter. I, I think... Don't quote me on this, but I'm saying it, so apparently it's quote. Two weeks tops, he'll be back on
2: Twitter. You think? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I wonder if they're hitting that in Vegas yet. Hey, probably. But the
3: thing is... They're going to be starting a series on Fox. We could set, we could
2: set up a gambling partition on our website.
3: <laughs> I like it. Check us out at the NationalPulse.com. That's the NationalPulse.com. Place your bets.
2: Use promo code STAKE for half off your booking. There you
3: go. First bets free. First bets on Raheem. <laughs> I like that one even better. Yeah, we're not really doing that. No. Don't get us in trouble. Please don't. <laughs> so they're going to be starting the series on Fox News also where uh, Brett Bear is going to be mediating a Republican and Democrat from different parts of the of Congress. I guess their first one is like two senators. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. I don't really, I don't really think we're going to be giving that much play on the show, but, you know, I think they're just kind of warming up for debate season. So when, when you're starting to talk about some of the, the newest revelations with this case, I saw James Comer jumped on with Maria this morning. Now, we all know that everyone in Congress who's seen whatever however much unredactedness was available in that 1023. They're saying two $5 million payments, one to Joe Biden, one to Hunter Biden. James Comer, on the other hand, though, is saying now that they're starting to look into some of these banks, shell corporations, and fake LLCs that they set up to basically wash the money through as it made it back from Ukraine to the Biden bank accounts, we could be seeing number totals that are a lot more than that. Let's hear it.
6: If this is all true about a sitting president when he was vice president influence peddling accepting money from uh foreign nationals so that he could turn around and 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 make changes in policy uh for America so he could pocket the money if that's true why isn't he impeached already and if it's true that the FBI is doing nothing about it why isn't Christopher Ray on his heels as well
4: uh, Those are great questions I ask every day Look Christopher Wray has no control over the FBI. One thing that I've learned from dealing with Grassley's whistleblowers is that this is an an organization in disarray. No one has confidence in leadership at the top. You have bureaucrats, deep state bureaucrats, who are running the show. They're partisan. They want to get Donald Trump. Uh, they don't care what Joe Biden does because Joe Biden can be controlled. So we have issues with the FBI, but my investigation is about following the money. We're going to continue to follow the money. And Maria, I can assure you there's more money that we're going to be able to identify that that was transferred between foreign nationals in other countries and the Biden family. This is going to be hard for Joe Biden to explain, and it's not going to go away. This is going to be an issue. And I think eventually the mainstream media will, will turn on Joe Biden and start asking the real questions what did your family do to receive all this money
6: what number are you up to now how much have you identified of the money he's taken in from foreign we have
4: more bank we have more bank records coming in but but we're gonna exceed 10 million this week and i think we'll get up between 20 and 30 million dollars
6: okay
3: that's a shit ton of cash Mm. how much do you think he was correct in stating that eventually the mainstream media is going to eventually turn on the bidens
1: i mean it's
2: got to be soon
3: and i'm not just talking about like chanel rion at oan and and jackie heinrich at. well
2: look at all look at all Fox. the others <laughs> look at all the other stuff that they completely ignored until they couldn't anymore mm-hmm. like everything now now they're having to start you know talk about these things and once it comes like i've already said that they're going to throw him under the bus soon i just don't know when but i mean. Once they get past this this weird little window of we don't have to talk about it until it's bl- just brazenly in the media completely, that's when that's when the time's going to come for them to just completely roll over him and steamroll him. And if you think Joe Biden's prepared for this, he's not,
3: or is absolutely in any shape to handle what could possibly com- be coming down from the House Oversight Committee. Uh, he was doing some kind of event yesterday at the White House. It was like the second day in a row they had him up past bedtime. I believe this one was for either climate change pronouns or both, and somebody actually lobbed a question at him that he heard. Let's hear his response. Why did the
7: Ukrainian FBI informant
1: Why did you ask such a
8: dumb
1: question?
3: Why did you ask such a dumb question?
2: What was the question? I could barely hear it.
3: Why did the Ukrainian FBI informant in the 1023 file that Congress has looked at, refer to you as the
2: big guy. And he just said, why he, did you ask such a dumb question? He just folded his hands right in front of his face and well, said, Because obviously I'm the big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be stupid. Honest with you. I, I'm kind of retarded.
7: Yeah.
3: Because <laughs> I'm the big guy. So that's kind of what we're looking at when we're thinking about... wearing his big guy pants. Mm, big guy dipes. Yeah. You- that's what we're looking at in regards to uh, how ready Joe Biden is for a debate. It kind of leads me to believe, and we'll talk about it in our next segment as well, I don't really think that this guy's going to make it because when you start to talk about either he laughs or yells, he's basically using the Ron DeSantis I want him to campaign. get mad again
2: and yell at somebody. Like he yelled. Didn't he yell at some steel worker? Yeah. Or whoever that guy was? I yeah. Was a lot of hard hats involved.
3: Now we pretty much just, like, he knows there's an exit stage left or right, so he kind of just laughs and leaves. Or or he'll sit there and smile and, and just ignore the people.
2: What if somebody put up, like, baby gates on the side of the stage <laughs> so he couldn't
3: get off? He'd probably trip over them. <laughs> I mean, we've all seen them. Everything from stairs to a bike and now a sandbag. It's just, you put anything in front of him. it's...
2: Yeah, that, that clip of him, like, well, look at me walking around, running around compared to the other guy. I used to think
3: the bike thing was so fake. Every time I see it, it just looks fake. And I'm like, he can't be that I'm not with it,
2: but i don't know man like i've seen people fall off bikes okay but did he have like the little foot stirrups or i mean that's a terrible like who what kind of idiot puts an 80 something year old man on a bicycle with foot clips
3: and then his body that's a terrible idea his body's reaction was to take the foot out and then lean the other way
2: (laughs) well no he he was already he was already off balance i mean i've fallen off a number of bicycles okay it's like i broke my arm doing that one time but sorry yeah like when you start losing your balance and your body's just trying to like panic it just goes with the path of least resistance like this this foot hook is not binding up on me i'm gonna pull it out even though it's completely useless Mm. you know who's not useless she's actually making a pretty good
3: stake in this biden bribery scheme is tennessee congresswoman Marsha blackburn she had the fbi under the heat lamp the other day and was grilling them up on Capitol Hill. Let's hear some of her back and forth with the program manager from FBI headquarters.
12: Your response to Senator Cruz that you and the FBI do your job to the best of your ability. So why don't you tell me what your job is? Is it to defend and shield Joe Biden or is your job to protect this country and the Constitution of the United States. Which is it?
13: The job of the FBI is to protect the country, oh. keep people safe, and uphold the Constitution of our great country, so period. That's what we use... work to do every day. Objectively, there are not two standards of justice. There is only one. It's applied equally to each and, and every by person. perception,
12: there are two standards, very clear standards of justice in this country. We see it every single day. The American people see this every single day. They look at you and they see a politicized entity that is weaponizing an agency of the federal government against the American people.
13: That is not the FBI that I see, Senator.
12: That is not the FBI. You see there are a lot of good people that work for the FBI, but you have a political cabal there. So why Mm. did you decide to conceal the information in that revelation to the House Oversight Committee, why did you redact all of that re- uh, pertaining to the phone calls?
13: We have exceptional people within the, in You're the FBI. You're not answering the, the question, best.
12: why did you we, redact that go, information? Uh, they were, were relentlessly every essence. day
13: to keep this you country safe and You chose not to reveal
12: people, that the period. calls were there, and Senator Grassley found it out anyway. Is that accurate?
13: Chales With regard all. to the you document... To
12: reta- you chose to redact it, yes or no?
13: We often redact documents to protect so sources and So you chose to
12: redact the the fact that there are 17 voice recordings, two of those with the now president. You chose to redact that and not to give that to House oversight.
13: I have Is no that idea if there are voice recordings or not. What I will tell you with respect to the you document, have no. The document was redacted to protect. The source, as everyone knows, well, then and this is a question of life my and death, potentially. My time has
12: expired. But uh, I think it would be helpful if, when you came before us, if you were willing to answer the questions, it would help to remove the perception that the American people have, because this is what they see. They see you do it every day. And that is politicizing the FBI and using it against the American people who don't happen to be named Biden, Clinton or one of the elite. See, Ooh,
2: dang. I like Marsha Blackburn. You know, like nobody was even coming in out of left field with the steel chair saying her time has expired. They were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let them let him hang out.
3: I, part of me still wishes Donald Trump picked her to be his Veep in 2016. I mean, I'm our armchair quarterback now because we got mm-hmm. fly forehead Judas instead, who I don't know if you heard he did. Clay and Buck, both who have blocked the Steak for Breakfast Twitter account. Um, Clay and Buck? Yeah, Buck Sexton and, and oh. Clay
2: Travis. So
3: Fed and Douche. Uh, can't take the heat either. thought and that was
2: some podcast I'd never heard of.
3: Well, unfortunately, they took over for Rush Limbaugh, so they inherited his listenership. Um, but here's the thing. They had Pence on for an interview the other day, and Mike Pence would not straight up answer the question, will you pardon Donald Trump if you won the presidency? And he's like, eh, well, rule of law, and uh, I followed my oath, and I'm a Christian.
2: He just, you, he just started hitting talking points yeah but, but would
3: you pardon him yeah well you know there's a there's a process and uh, we, we gotta see it play out and depending on what happens you
2: know but would you pardon him
3: there's a process complete piece of shit so you're saying no Marsha Blackburn I know she was vetted I know obviously she was eight years younger um, and he even asked her to be like the keynote speaker at the GOP nomination extravaganza mm. so i don't think the irons is hot she's like five of my top five right now um who would be like people that i think that they're kind of taking a look at not Carrie, like an mtg it's like more christy gnome and you know lee, lee zeldon dark horse mm-hmm. right there Marsha, probably nikki or tulsi not both one or the other i don't like either one of them but everybody keeps saying them so i, I think people who optically think they're popular kind of just throw them into the mix there and you know we'll have to see i would have to say like it's neck and neck for like a donald's or vivek uh ramaswamy as well i don't think either one of them donald's lives in florida so that's kind of a moot point and then vivek i think he's like the gag gift of this uh you know gop primary process but um yeah so that was marshall blackburn kind of you know Just laying it out there, I'm going to ask you one straight-up question, and we could see if, you know, for the two and a half minutes I have to talk, you obviously, I'm going to tell you ahead of time you're not going to answer it, Then I'm going to lay out how you tried to hide it from us. I'm going to ask you why you hid it from us. You're going to tell me that it wasn't hidden, this is life or death, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, you just kind of see the same stonewalling we have with people like Dr. Fauci and Alejandro Mayorkas and Becerra, who got absolutely destroyed by Kevin Kiley. Uh They had a back and forth the other day talking about masking two-year-olds and how many lives that saved. That's another guy that should be impeached. He's like kind of at the bottom of the dozen, but you want to talk about another cabinet member that shouldn't be working up on Capitol Hill either. It's definitely uh, Xavier Becerra, piece of shit, formerly from California.
2: Yeah, he's trash.
3: We're getting ready to jump in here with Michael Johns right now, the founder of the Tea Party. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. Excited to sit down with him in a sec. I got one more, though. Uh, Senator Rubio, who I think is running neck and neck with Ted Cruz, is coming in hot to probably endorse Donald Trump soon because he's been making the rounds and uh, fighting for the 45th president in regards to this whole sham indictment. was kind of basically... Uh, Kind of sick of the questions they were asking him on Fox News, so he went and, and decided to make it a little bit funny.
10: undertake a cultural hysteria, a ridiculous cultural hysteria that plays out. We had a lady, or a man uh, that now claims to be a lady, you know, going topless at the White House two days ago at a, at a Pride celebration thing. I mean, we can do whatever we want, We can be as decadent as we want in our society and our culture, we can break our politics, we can take our institution and weaponize them for political purposes on both sides. You think this ends here? The next Republican president is going to be under tremendous pressure to bring charges and indict Joe Biden, his family, his crackhead son, whoever. (laughs) The pressure is going to be extraordinary. They're going to turn us into. So we're we're decadent and we're in decline because we are we thought we could do anything we wanted with our economy. We could send our jobs and factories overseas, break our politics, break our culture, break our society. We don't need parents. We don't need neighborhood. We don't need family anymore. All these crazy ideas. And now reality is catching up and it's hurting us badly. And today is frankly just a symptom of a much bigger problem, which you talk about here. And that is we no longer live in that world.
3: And the thing is, when you want to talk about this whole long week that we had legally, both not so much for Joe Biden, even though it's probably the, there there and a lot more for Donald Trump, even though, you know, this is kind of just a bullshit narrative that they're going to make the part of the new, you know, Russia Gate impeachment. This is just the next round. Uh, People up on Capitol Hill who are actually independent thinkers and aren't just the collective group think, the hive mind like the Democrat Party is, especially in places like the House. They're really frustrated with this because the old way of doing things, debate and reasoning, you applying logic to the situation in anything. Don't do that anymore. No, because now it's uh, if the Democrats have power. Everything's fine. The whip cracks and they all say. This is the way it's going to be. If the Republicans are in a slim majority or don't have power, it's, you know, the Mitch McConnell delegation and the people who like Donald Trump, and they're always fighting with each other. I mean, J.D. Vance, God bless him, he's the best senator I think we've got running up on Capitol Hill right now. Do you want to know what we can do in Congress? We could slow the Justice Department down to a crawl because J.D. Vance announced that as long as this crappy investigation is going on with Donald Trump, And we're not seeing any other movement in anything else. Like where's Joe Biden's special counsel that was appointed on the same day? J.D. Vance is not voting to confirm one judicial nominee moving forward. So there's your tax dollars at work. If you think the Justice Department is weaponized, why give them some more ammo? And uh, all those judicial nominations are going to be sitting on the sideline ahead of confirmation because J.D. Vance will not be voting for them. So he is definitely the crown jewel of last year's midterm election cycle. And as we're getting ready to jump in with Michael Johns now, we'll touch on probably all this stuff that's going on a little bit more. I want to talk to him about how we got here because, you know, Michael's been in Washington, D.C. for a long time. And whether it was uh, writing speeches in the White House during different administrations up through his time at the Heritage Foundation and the birth of the Tea Party, he's kind of got his finger on the pulse of
2: what's going on as far as America
3: First goes. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners.
2: You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? Oh, you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bills. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per 2 ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmerville's traditionally air-dried beef jerky today.
3: Joining us next on the show today, coming in on this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's a former White House speechwriter, wrote for some presidents, and then Tea Party co-founder. We're really excited to have back Mr. Michael Johns. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, great to be back
14: with you. How you been?
3: Well, busy, but I'm sure you can only imagine that, and I know that you've been equally as busy yourself, sir. Listen, we've talked about the arraignment that went down in Miami this week, we covered a little bit of the post arraignment after party that Donald Trump posted up in Bedminster as well. Some of the fallout in the mainstream media that we've seen, I mean, places like CNN and MSNBC were either sick to their stomachs or just refusing to show any of the content regarding probably the biggest legal case in the history of the United States. And then we touched on, you know, the most recent developments in Joe Biden's Burisma bribery scandal that's going on right now. Um,
14: that's I mean, all- you, you, raise, you raise a good point just to start. I mean, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that I was drawn to support Donald Trump on day one of his candidacy, it was June sixteenth, two 2015, I remember the day, uh, was his strength. And you saw that even facing potential life in prison with an arraignment of this nature to you know get back on his jet, fly it up to New Jersey, do that very important, well-attended event, uh, which is necessary. It's part of running for president. You gotta be raising money. And and to present it, to give a presentation, like really nothing was bothering him. That's the sort of steel nerves that you wanna see in a leader of the free world. And I believe there's no candidate that matches that in the current uh, mix. And I'm not trying to disparage those guys who are running. They're doing various good things or have done various good things in their careers to date, but they are not the leaders for this moment in in time. And this is a defining moment and it's difficult. We are facing quite the labyrinth to get out of this mess. This, uh, mess.
3: And I think that's one of the biggest things that I want to touch with you on. I mean, Michael, you literally have served in the White House. You started one of the biggest populist conservative movements in the history of the United States. You know, you, you've done a lot of things through organizations like the Heritage Foundation at a time. And, and I think what we want to know, what I think our listenership would really value some of your commentary on is how did we get here? to where Great we, we are literally seeing the former president, but not just any former president, literally the last president of the United States being arraigned in federal court at the direction of the current president of the United States, who just so happens to also be his political rival in the next upcoming general election. We don't see stuff like that here in the United States. And I know people are always throwing out banana republic and two-tier justice system, but what's the real absolute points we need to hit on how we got here.
14: Since at least the turn of the century, maybe going back further, um uh, but for several decades, our side, our purported conservative movement, has become more and more timid, less and less effective, less and less collaborative, uh, not strategic uh, corrupted in some cases by conflicting financial interests and fundraising pressures and consisting of individuals that you would not routinely, if we were going to hire say an executive search firm, a big executive search firm are the sort of leaders or have the the attributes that you would want to see on our side. Meanwhile, on the other side, they saw this, I think much earlier than we did. I think I've been aware of it for at least a decade. But they, they saw that they were drilling and drilling victory after victory, and they weren't hitting metal, and they just kept going. And uh, literally every institution in this country has been corrupted by their politicization. I mean, these are the pillars on which a civil society rests. Very difficult. We either have to reclaim neutrality in these Uh, institutions or we're going to have to recreate new create new ones and uh, again that's not a Michael Johns decision I have opinions about it something we need to be working on right now though and then you know you have the development of the bureaucratic state the deep state whatever you want to call it the separation really of agencies and departments that have immense power from the constitutionally granted um, Article Two authorities under the Constitution that, that rest those responsibilities with the president. Meanwhile, I think individual patriots across this country, which comp- still comprise to this day the vast, vast majority of Americans, you know we, we are centrists. Ultimately, we define ourselves as conservatives or. MAGA or Tea Party or whatever but ultimately the, the positions we stand for are very neutral very central very essentially non-controversial until very recently um, have felt that these issues were being handled by purported experts and they poured a lot of money in individual donations a lot of individual patriots said hey look this isn't my thing I don't really know how to go about it or I, you know, I have an, a career I'm pursuing I don't have time to do it Well, trust that you guys know what you're doing. And ultimately, they failed for the reasons and maybe a few others that that I've mentioned. So I, I would encourage listeners of this, by the way, your blossoming show, which has become increasingly influential, I think, in our movement, to cease blaming the other side and the outrageousness of their positions. They are totally outrageous. They're totally unconstitutional. The Constitution is not being eroded. It's been shredded. Yes. It's gone. Um, we're going to have to you know, recreate the, and refound this country. That's the magnitude of what we're up against right now. And no one individual is going to do that, not even Donald Trump. I think one of the uh, – I have very few criticisms. I think he's a man for this moment. Thank God he's out there. But one criticism – you could point out and maybe should point out is you know he did not in that first term surround himself with the sort of people who shared his vision and sense of urgency for addressing these issues and that uh was a stumbling block it even led i would say to at least one of the two impeachments and he's confronting it now clearly in the justice system i mean i won't go through all of the details but Yeah, there is nothing in this, uh, in these federal charges that apply to a president of the United States. And his situation is, is unique and distinct from what Biden's was as a vice president or what Hillary Clinton's was as a, as a secretary of state. Neither of those two positions carry the ability to singularly declassify materials as he did. So nothing within. The Espionage Act applies to Trump, period. This isn't even a question. Um, it, it's the Presidential uh, Documents um, Act that, that would apply, and it, it's really a sense of projectionism. I think it's gone back for a long time. The things the other side is doing, they blame us or Trump doing, and it does confuse the American people, and it seems to alleviate some of the pressure on them. I mean, it's a, the allegations against Biden, are, which are credible, according to highly credible people who have uh, reviewed these details and are interacting with the whistleblowers, are, incredible, are, are not just impeachable, but undeniably jailable offenses.
3: Now, when you mentioned President Trump and, and the team that he started with, it did look a little bit different by the time he left the White House. But but like you pointed out, a lot of trial and error, a lot of uh, inconsistency with some of the picks and and how effective they were. Even in in retrospect, you know, you you see people like – a lot of people hyped up Mike Pompeo, but when he's coming over from a place like the CIA, which we know has a lot of, uh, you know, internal rot within it, and and moves into a place like the Secretary of State, well, we've had surrogates from the Secretary, uh, I'm sorry, from the Department of State on the show, uh, you know, throughout the years, who have said like he would right. go to he would go to the White House and sit down with President Trump, and they'd iron out an agenda, and then he'd come back to the to the State Department and just like make fun of him. Uh,
14: well, so- it, it, that, that was done routinely. Yeah. And by, by personnel that were in immensely sensitive positions and, you know, Pompeo was a good secretary of state, much better than Tillerson. Tillerson, sure. he sat around and argued with Tillerson for two, what, almost two years about getting out of the Iran agreement, which was one of his core foreign policy position planks of the 2016 campaign. But I think this issue is ultimately one that it, it's a culture that you create. A culture of loyalty and mission. If it, so, if you just have a few individuals in there who actually are solid, and he did have a few. Yes. Uh, who I, you know, I I would cite Steve Bannon as one. I would cite Steve Miller as one. Um, others didn't have very clear missions, but those were two people that were in high-level positions. But they, they there wasn't enough, you know, so. In, even internally, they they confronted such opposition and um, struggled really to get the the policy position that the American people voted for in November 2016 put into action. And then, of course, you can't really compare the two, the first two years with the second two years because the first two years were the greater opportunity. You had control. Of both houses of Congress. There was no excuse for Paul Ryan not to have gotten that wall built in the first two years, except that he was refusing to do it as we're seeing certain levels of re- refusal now. I'm just looking at the 20 members who voted uh, you know, on, on the uh, shift condemnation and it's unbelievable. I mean, we're, we need to redefine terms, and, and we may need to redefine some of this system structure, particularly in the way Congress operates, I think, at this point.
3: No, that's an excellent point right there. I definitely see, uh, while Congress is is reaping what they sow, you want to just talk about limit, save, grow. Nobody said it was going to happen. Chuck Schumer said he'd get it done in the Senate. Chuck Schumer fails. Kevin McCarthy pulls one out of his butt, essentially, and gets limit, save, grow, passed. Looks like the slim majority in the House Republican is finally he unified.
14: He did, it doesn't appear to me, and it's certainly not the position of the 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 mighty twenty. I guess we're calling them that. He upheld his commitments on which they afforded him support for the speakership, right? So I mean, it's a, it's it's not a positive. There aren't positives. I know they're running well-paid ads that are essentially distorting and pulling out little things they think are gems, but there is nothing positive in that. And of course it took more, it was passed by more Democrats than Republicans. Exactly. Well, the And I think we ought to look at political parties too. When I talk about restructuring, let me just say this too much power in leadership. Uh, you, you know, we, we have congressional leaders in mccarthy for instance who should not be carrying this magnitude of power they should not be able to threaten a member of congress would not bring a vital second amendment related uh legislative uh statute to the floor because he wasn't aligned with them on the depth on the uh increase on the on the debt limit that is outrageous and i totally understand and appreciate the position that ultimately several of them took yes. and they had to do that i, I think i know be, i'm I'm shocked at how it's being misrepresented in media i guess i'm not shocked i'm not you would expect it but it's disgusting to read when you're as close to it as i think like you and i are uh we look at it and just go this is unbelievable the way you're covering this I and mean, it's like they have no historical content, and they may not know. I don't know if they're ill-informed or just on the radical left. I think it's a little bit of a, I mean, they journalism has become a, a form of political activism, sadly, in the 21st century and there were signs of it in the late 20th century. And in conservative media, I mean, do you feel that's coming through for us right now? But, no. uh, you know, where's the affirmation from any conservative media outlet on what happened in November, 2020, every media outlet, And every think tank, and and certainly anyone who is operating on a basis that they're defending the Constitution, should have a solid, well-explained position on whether Biden did or did not obtain 270 electoral college votes in November of 2016, and yet, I would say, most major conservative media outlets, most major conservative organizations, with a few notable exceptions, have not even weighed in on it. And you might blame them, but where's the pressure on them to do it? I don't see any pressure being applied. So it's going to take a grassroots movement at this point. And it's going to take all this working together. And it's going to take a lot of people just goodwill, swallowing egos, working strategically, and then accountability. Where's the accountability for the loss of all these institutions? Billions of dollars that went in uh, the conservative movement to defend these institutions with academia, 95% in the, in the hands of the globalist radical left who gets fired over that. No one,
3: no one people get promoted. People get put into bigger positions and then the, the, the trends continue and the norms that we enjoyed so much and made so much progress. in, you know, as the, well, just comparing it to you, Michael, the the Tea Party movement that that has kind of evolved into what America First is now, it, it it's like we're hanging on by such a thread, even though there's a, a large network of people across the country who feel the same way as we do, and it's because of the. Disconnectivity that we just all can't get on the same page. If you're not in it for yourself, you're you're in it for somebody else. But at the same time, it's like a a look at me culture that doesn't really right. address the root problems. There's as as we've seen with Congress and kind of come to the you know be just conditioned with like Congress does a lot of grandstanding. Like it's it's always the biggest bombshell of the century. And then when you get well, into committee and and the people- go, who is
14: this movement at this point? Because, firstly, I would contend that there are none. No one's operating as a leader. Um, you got we have people that are doing commentary. I mean, they're basically doing a narrative on our defeats and our country's demise. Yep. Um, I've, I've compared it to sort of being the play-by-play announcer to the Bad News Bears. Uh-huh. That's kind of what they're doing. And we look at and then this is the error that I think grassroots patriots. I would say conservatives just the vast majority of Americans confuse that activity with progress yeah no the country is deterior- the country is being lost and will be lost if the American people do not wake up unite and and work collectively uh, in demanding these and and pursuing these changes and we, and it's going to require a level of immense sophistication and persistence. They are not just going to hand this over. They now have control of the most powerful country in the history of the world. Um, and we let them take it. That's I, you know, I, I'm not trying to guilt people too badly on this because we need people to be inspired as, as well at this moment. We've faced other dark moments in history. It's toward the whole history of our country from the first job to Concord onward, we're fighting great odds. But at this point um, we have to take responsibility for what's happened. You know, so, so to say, Hey, yeah, we didn't have anybody in charge of defending these institutions or everyone was in charge and no one was in charge, in charge of it. There was no shortage of resources, no shortage of people going around the country bragging about how, the work they were doing related to these things, they failed. Um, and so there's a leadership crisis, there's an organizational crisis and I think there's a cultural crisis and it's a crisis to the swamp of elitism and arrogance and disengagement and looking down on the American people in a lot of ways. And, and even in the way they've handled Trump, I mean, when Trump, you know, looking impro- improbable and impossible at the beginning. Uh, you know, they were scoff- they were all scoffing at it, in- including publicly. And, you know, then when he became a winner, they were all trying to jump into his administration, and many of them did, where they continued to disparage him. Um, it's unfortunate that this man has been put through what he's been put through, but thank God, and we have to thank God, that he is alive in our time Because I could not See any one of these other candidates No And especially as I'm really now Like assessing them This is too much for them They, they have the skill sets Capabilities They in many ways have a decent resumes And have done some good things And probably should continue doing those things And I certainly would support them In those capacities But this is a very complex undertaking if you haven't been there you haven't been there and you're going to ask the American people to basically uh, hope and pray that maybe you can figure it out um, on the job when you've got this extraordinary both internal and external opposition and, and in the case of China's Communist Party enemy right at the gates
3: that's it right there I think we've kind of outlined how we've gotten to this point Michael next time we have you on the show we need to start talking about just the very beginnings of what the solutions are we're going to have you back here as soon as possible because I think this is in addition to the news commentary we provide in addition from the receipts we get from the interviews we conduct I think working towards comprehensive solutions together moving forward is equally as important not just heading into the next election cycle but moving forward for our country because you said over the course of the last decade or more we've let So many different institutions, not just Congress and what happens up on on Capitol Hill. Some of the biggest names and conservative everything have just slipped out of our grasp and are now like not doing anything for anyone except telling you how awesome they are. And and that's we're running. We're running a corner store, or if we were running a professional sports
14: team, we'd be making some major changes right now. We might be sitting down looking at the whole, the, the totality of the whole strategy in the rearview mirror and overhauling it um, completely. I mean, you can't look at anything in the present tense right now since it's a continuation of the past tense and say, well, this is going to save it, or this is going to turn it around. It's insufficient. And if you're out there not saying it's insufficient, then, as has been the case in the past, you're part of the problem, not the solution. We need a vastly intensified upgraded, committed, uh, movement is not understand. And this is a brawl at this point. I mean, this is a brawl, you know, meaning it's, there are some people, many, I would say, in fact, who have been drawn to this who are uncomfortable with that. They, um, they don't like when things get rough or uncomfortable they you know kind of bow ties behind the closed doors don't really like to interact with the external public don't certainly don't like any criticism or pressures um but that's what this field is all about which is why we need the american people with us because with that we can endure and, and work our way through it all and we must what's the alternative
3: well, then we can start uh, commenting on banana republics and third world countries because at that point we will certainly be there, Michael. Where can we? We're go- at that point. Though.
14: We're at that point. Yeah, there, I, I think there. that's a big part. My my point is, we're at that point, and it's our fault, not the other. You can't blame the other side for wanting. No one walk. You know what I, I said the other night. Like when when USC beats UCLA, UCLA doesn't walk off the field and and go. Oh blame USC. They, they, they walk off the field and assess what's what, what wrong. And in our case, everything went wrong. It's not even like you can look at it and say, well, no, hold on, there's a few things here. Uh, you know, Sadly, even the issues we would try to rally around as it relates to the patriotic sentiment of the American people is very tough right now. The, the core entities of the country have been consciously corrupted so that they are deterred and dissuaded from doing that. And that's kind of a revolutionary climate. It's understandably very frightening. It's too much for some people. Uh, that's understandable. One thing for sure is that all of us together, united can confront this. If we're not together and united and we're not operating strategically, we have no chance.
3: It's a, it's a grim assessment, but it's a real one, and it's the honest and truthful one that we try to bring on our show You know, every week, Michael. It was great sitting down with you today. Obviously, we want to have you back ASAP to talk about some workable solutions that we're going to need to uh, all be working towards, but what could we live link in the show description A Where can we find you on social media?
14: I am on uh, most platforms. I have both a page and a group on Facebook that I would encourage you to Follow Michael Johns Tea Party is the page. Michael Johns, my name is the group. Um, and Twitter, at Michael Johns. And all most of the um, other social media platforms, just my name, one word, Michael Johns.
3: Thanks for taking the time and, uh, to join us today.
14: Uh, you bet. Appreciate all you're doing.
3: We appreciate you, and we're looking forward to have you back. This is former White House speechwriter and co-founder of the Tea Party. Mr. Michael Johns, thanks for joining us on the show.
11: Thank you.
6: Response. You know, they refuse to read the indictment. They refuse to engage with the facts. There's nothing new about that. And what they refuse to admit is, you know, this is on a track about him, mm. not about anybody else, no matter how much the, you know, they try to confuse people and how much they try to, you know, raise extraneous issues. Um And it's going to be fascinating, I guess, in a bizarre and sad way, to watch them spin themselves up. If you watched any of the news programs this weekend, I mean, their efforts to defend this man are truly beyond anything that I ever thought possible in our country. I mean, it is so profoundly disturbing how this could have been the break. This could have been the opportunity to say, you know, uh, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. We really appreciate it, you know. But this is kind of uh, serious. And so we're not going to, you know, continue to defend you. But no, they're all in again. That's what the psychology of this is so hard for me to fully grasp. You're a nasty person.
3: I just think she can't grasp the fact that nobody, she is disgusting. Nobody ever liked her. Like,
2: she's just a lizard person without the lizard costume. Oh,
3: my gosh hey listen i've been saying it for a year and a half she's making the rounds and i know gavin newsom's primed to deliver on everything that the radical progressive climate changers pronoun using people want up in dc right now i still think that if anything happens with joe biden kill dog's gonna make a run for it as well
2: what with newsom as the vp or newsom as the
3: well there
2: if anything or? happens
3: to joe biden all of a sudden there's a Democrat primary. Yeah. So that's the thing. It would be RFK and and Colonel West in addition, then throw Gavin Newsom in there and add Hillary Clinton. That's a pretty robust Democrat primary to say
2: at least. Who knows? I can't imagine Newsom would even have a chance. Like even people in California, I mean, there's enough mouth-breathing idiots that are vote blue no matter who, but like when you're going to choose from different levels of blue and you're going to be living in a state where – that retard has completely just decimated the population and reinvigorated the homeless population poop in the streets Mm -hmm. syringes everywhere mass crime looting businesses jobs lost because they're fucking taking walmarts and cvs's out of the state come on give me a break
3: no it's an excellent point you make but i don't know it seems like the doors kind of get blown open if if joe biden if something happens with him either legally or health-wise you know in the next couple months depending on how much work James Comer can get done. They're already saying 30 to 90 days just to be able to get more of the bank information. So when I hear that, I hear three more months minimum. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're running up against the clock. So we kind of have to see where this is going. Well, I don't think there's anybody who could provide more expert commentary on it than former disgraced fired FBI director Andrew McCabe. However, CNN and fake news Jake Tapper decided
5: to bring him on. So let's hear it in case, because sure. that was a, a, a serious breach of, of protocol. And uh, she was criticized by the FBI director at the time That's for right. being. I think he used the word reckless. I might be wrong. Um, but what is the difference?
1: There's huge differences here, Jake. And unlike what you've heard from. Uh, Congressman McCarthy and Biggs. Our system is not based on, you know, we don't play by organized crime rules. It's not you take out one of my guys, I take out one of your guys, it's all equal. Every one of these cases is analyzed based on the evidence, the evidence that you've been able to uncover during the course of the investigation. In the Clinton case, what we had in the Clinton case was essentially 113 email conversations. This is of uh, tens of thousands of emails reviewed. Right, the 30,000 she handed over, plus many thousands more that we were able to recover. Hun- uh, 113 uh, emails over the course of 55 conversations. Eight top secret documents. 37 secret, doc- uh, not documents, content that mm-hmm. was that was judged to be at that level, and 10 at the confidential level. Important to note that none of that was actual. Documents bearing headers and footers and classified stamps and portion markings and all the sorts of things you expect to see. It was simply content of conversations that implicated information that should have been classified at that level. And, and-
3: so, <laughs> just because it doesn't say classified on it, even though he literally just said it should have been classified, it doesn't count as classified because it's Hillary Clinton.
2: Of course. Of course. But if it was Trump, then everything counts. You know, he's been
3: making the rounds here on Steak for Breakfast. I'll tell you something. Byron Donald's tail of the tape, 6'2, 275, African American. Ain't scared of shit. Wasn't too happy that Hillary Clinton was making the rounds and talking about how disgusting it was that America First continues to support Donald Trump in all of his endeavors, including the most recent legal ones. And the fact is, you know, that when you talk about this and, and have someone like her, it's just like literally the textbook definition of hypocrisy talking about themselves when she references donald trump's current legal issues well byron donald's is going to get the first opportunity he can get to jump on cable news and talk about it let's hear him
15: you feel about being told you're in a cult
9: <laughs> i stopped caring about what hillary clinton had to say long ago got her because she lost a long long time ago And she's largely irrelevant as far as i'm concerned but to a broader level since hillary wants to engage allow me to engage hillary you lied multiple times you destroyed emails you destroyed evidence and then you laundered phony information that you knew was phony into the intelligence community because you were scared you were going to lose you did all this, and you're still lost. So I'm not going to listen to Hillary Clinton about who I should and should not support because she has lied to the American people repeatedly. She used our institutions to spy on her rival's campaign. Yes, America, she did that. So if people like talking about Watergate and Nixon, look no further than Hillary Clinton and Crossfire Hurricane.
5: Got it.
3: Right as we're playing that clip right there, I see you come across the wire right now on Twitter. Donald Trump just truthed, of course, in all caps, fake indictment, three exclamation points. (laughs) So I think he's kind of dialed in to where we're at. Just like we want to remind you when we're talking about being dialed in, if you're listening to the show today, it doesn't matter what platform it's on, whether it's Google, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe to the show. Helps us out in the algorithms, gets us up in the search suggestions, and then leave a five-star review. Write a little something... You know what you like about Steak for Breakfast as well. Social media is Twitter, get our True Social, and Instagram. Find Steak for Breakfast podcast. Follow the show. Hit the notification bell. Anytime we've got some great information and memes coming out, they'll be delivered directly to you. And please don't forget our new home. Can't stress it enough: thenationalpulse.com. That's thenationalpulse.com. It's one of those things that is blowing up right now. We've gotten such great feedback from people like Jack Posobiec, Matt Gates, talking about how this is the number one populist landing pad for America first. And, uh, you know, the editor-in-chief Raheem Kassam and his partner Harlan Hill have done a great job of getting things started. And that's the great part about it is you sign up for Pulse Plus, you get a month free bonus shows from Steak for Breakfast and Fleckus Talks, and it's just the beginning. There's so much more stuff coming down the pike, including a mobile app, uh, that I really can't stress at at any higher level how important it is right now to join the National Pulse over at thenationalpulse.com. So, believe it or not, we've still got former Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt, joining us again. He's always great when he comes on the show. He's going to touch on, you know, indictment fest and all the other stuff going on. But as someone who works, you know, for the Department of Land Management, he's going to talk to us about that huge orange wave that struck the country last week coming out of Canada. So, it's going to be good to be sitting down with him in just a second.
2: I think it's a Bureau of Land Management. There you
3: go. <laughs> well, consider me fact-checked. Got him. Just like it wasn't hammer since we're talking about Hillary. <laughs> but they definitely were smashed. Um so I I wanted to talk about it last week we just kind of ran out of time and I really don't want to cover it too much but I, we already mentioned it. Uh Gavin Newsom sat down for a one-on-one exclusive interview on Fox News with Boomer Sweat Sean Hannity and I'll be completely honest with you I watched it twice I listened to it a third time Gavin Newsom's got a pretty solid team around him because not only did he become prepared, he took Boomer Sweats for a little bit of a ride. You know, th- he's always in those softball Doomer interviews where he has people like Donald Trump or like one of our really favorable senators like Ted Cruz, or and they'll just lay out the worst possible scenario possible, and then softball just lobs it over to whoever his interviewee is and says, now tell me how you're going to fix it. Now tell me how you're going to save us and it makes for the content that you can expect on Boomer Sweat Show.
2: Well, if you're, if you're giving him the questions in advance, then he's going to have some some zingers lined up, I'm sure. Absolutely. Which I guarantee he gets these questions in advance.
3: Well, I mean, everybody's been hitting him on the same stuff, so you can only expect, like I said, the economy, crime, homelessness, the drug epidemic, open
2: borders. Yeah, he's, got, of... he's got the canned responses, too.
3: So, And he had the numbers memorized. Sean Hannity was reading off a card. Gavin Newsom knew what was up. I'm not giving him any credit there. This guy is literally and figuratively the real life version of American Psycho. This guy is a fucking lunatic. He's making California like an, not only an open border shithole state, but now it's like a one-stop shop for everything pronoun related where you can have your kids, you know, mutilated here and and pretty much falls on the taxpayers of California. Like everything else does here.
2: And that's really, that's where, that's where he's going to lose it because the normal people are going to be like, even like these rich assholes that, like I said, vote blue, no matter who, Yeah, like, when they got options of which blue to vote for, they're gonna be like, you know what? Like I thought I was down with all the alphabet shit, but now it's actually starting to cost me money, and I have to drive, you know, three times as far to go to the store because they looted the shit out of the one that I was gonna go to.
3: If I hear my kid tell me that they're non-binary, one oh more my time, god! Yeah, no, that that that's that's truly the case.
2: But- like think think back of all the stupid fucking retarded asinine shit that you wanted to do as a kid thought you were going to be i want to be a fucking astronaut i want to be like really now you're going to be a furry like no that's not how it works like you're going to grow out of it knock it knock it off yeah that's what you tell them
3: yeah, i'm an 80s kid so at some point like i i, I like, wore
2: jinko pants yep, same. big, big fucking baggy stupid pants and then i tried to skateboard in them
3: nice and yeah, it never worked out good yeah, it was all right a lot of ripped crotches yeah but the, the sad part is being an 80s kid you know i i I at some point of my youth wanted to be a transformer and now I don't even want to talk to my kids about the show transformers because of what <laughs> the dual meaning of
2: it is, you mean now. a robot, not a Dick Tucker robot in disguise. Oh, oh,
3: oh All same right, thing. Let's jump into this interview.
0: Here's my question. Maybe I have an idea that you'd agree with. I want to start a series of debates <laughs> and get some of the best brightest leading conservative minds, and some of the best, brightest left wing minds or liberal minds. Nice. Yeah. But I put you in that category. And I want to call it like the great debates. Love it. And the first one I want to do is with you and Governor DeSantis.
15: Great. I've and, offered it. I've and, been trying to debate And, him and Here's for two how years. this
0: debate format will go. Good. I'll say, Governor Newsom, Governor DeSantis, economy. That's the only word I'm going to throw out. Love it. You, minute, minute, then you go at it, next topic. Right. And I'll moderate it that way, and you have my word, I'll moderate it that way. I, I, I'm all in. Count on you, it. You would do a two-hour debate with Ronda Sanders. i make it 3 mm. Three hour um, debate with Yeah, make it four. Do it with one day
15: notice, with no notes. I look forward to that. We could okay. talk about his zest for demonization. We could talk about his assault on and free you get to enterprise. Call him a
0: kidnapper? Uh, every, <laughs> I, I said, question mark. Still being <laughs> investigated. <laughs> oh, the question mark was Still really, being investigated. Still being wanna, investigated. And you may bring charges. The people you what know kind are, of, are, you,
15: you're. The what kind of faith tradition How nice was it says you to treat people like this? That- so Ron DeSantis did a- the goodness of his heart. He's going around the country to try to help migrants Ooh. and bring them to states because well, he ask knows you a, a question about, about that. Give
0: Why is break. it that he sends a, bu- a plane load of people to Martha's Vineyard, a liberal enclave, right? Yes. For one think-
15: and a half million bucks. Okay. One and a half million bucks. For-
0: Who's the fiscal Here, here's conservative the part? We went and we looked. There were more than double the amount of rooms available for every one of the people that that landed there that day? Okay. And all of them signed a waiver yeah, All of them, on. by the way, on. They I read the waiver. They showed me the waiver. Okay. I couldn't even but understand it. And I have some Martha's pretty decent Vineyard, education. Ma- they got the, the, the sanctuary liberal enclave, couldn't <laughs> handle, you know, 50 illegal immigrants. You don't do They this threw this them, them out, in, le- threw them out in less beings. than 24 hours. They were hours. Kids, they were children. They, then why did they why throw do them they out? Why did they do that? Why did Martha's Why Vineyard do you throw them use out?
15: people as pawns? Oh. You, I mean, they said, what faith tradition teaches you to treat human beings like this, to belittle but them, you to demean are them under false you an open sanctuary state. Why don't you embrace about them? about dealing with the cards that are dealt. And for comprehensive immigration reform, I'm proud of our president for putting a strategy out. And if you guys have it. been silenced on it. You haven't even discussed it. If you, haven't you even are picked
0: it up. a sanctuary state, why don't you embrace them and say thank you for sending them? I wasn't. I'm, we embrace
15: everybody here. We deal with the cards of date in a human way. But but don't, not a I don't sanctuary like people state. being told under false pretense one thing. I don't think this happened. I know it. I sat down with these migrants. I talked to every single one of them. They were lied to. They to were misled. The In what this way? was a setup. They were told they had jobs. They told they were going to get certain court dates changed. They were dropped off. They knocked on the door and they left and there was not coordinated. I mean, what kind of faith Tradition Every allows for there this. is a
0: videotape of the people getting on the plane because they were all lied to and, and they were, told and they you're were asked, being taken care of. Everything's going to be great. I would be well, proud then, and happy then, then because they landed in your sanctuary yeah. state. You're going to take care of them. They should be happy. Look, we'll we'll, we'll
15: deal with the car. I mean, come on, this is California. I
0: know it's California. okay I'm, I'm it's aware of where it's I am.
15: A, on this way, the fourth the largest economy in the world. We can handle of course all can. of this. Okay, I'm a border state. What? Ron DeSantis is not. I know he's desperate to get in on the action. No, because a lot he's of people... He's belly flopped. Donald Trump is going to clean his clock. Is it his fair clock. that Joe Biden... DeSantis has we'll belly flop? Wow. He will clean well, his well, clock. He needs attention. don't have a ball. And he set this up months ago by doing an RFP. I have the contractors okay. My question that he tried is- to hire saying he was going to send people to California. This is a stunt. It's embarrassing. It's, not, it's pathetic. I, I disagree. Stunt.
0: I think he a did stunt. the right thing. His state's not a sanctuary heart. state. Well, Joe Biden he just wanted to help people. Will Give you apply breaks. the same standard to Joe Biden? He's flying all these illegal immigrants, coordinating that, them, coordinating
15: excuse them. Excuse me, I'm engaged you know directly what? with the administration. They're landing on
0: at 3:30 in the morning in Westchester They're Airport, coordinating with not NGOs. LaGuardia, not Kennedy. Yeah. Westchester, you not know why? Because they're sneaking them in when states aren't looking and counties not perfect, aren't perfect, but they're coordinating. There's a different spirit. There's a different level of engagement. Not it's, it's, it's
15: different in daylight and darkness. It's not perfect. I'm, there's some humility in this. Oh, well, we want to talk about Joe Biden not being perfect. Oh, wow, that was messy.
3: Like I said, I, I'll be completely honest with you. It, it I became engaged with that, and, and it was like that for every single topic they talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gavin Newsom doesn't have the excuses because, obviously, I mean. We live in California, so we have the physical receipts. Yeah, uh, We do the homeless high step every time we go downtown, and there's shit and syringes as far as the eye could see in a, in a place that was just beautiful like 10 years ago.
2: It definitely smells more like piss than it used to.
3: Crime is off the charts. Test scores for kids are down. You know, they just dropped COVID restrictions here recently within the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, again, we're talking about this now being the shining bastion of uh, mutilating your children out here in California. It's one of those things that Gavin Newsom is a little bit more ready than than I think even some of the people who are in the race now. Um, and it's because, you know, he's connected to the Pelosi family and, and ready to go. And I think that if anything happens with Joe Biden or there are some real questions come up, you might see him getting in probably faster than, than some of the other ones. Can't let you guys go before we jump in with Secretary Bernhardt right now without playing... Well, you could always expect a retort from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, current (laughs) presidential candidate, 12% in New Hampshire. Uh, They asked him about it this morning. Let's hear his answer.
16: What's interesting, um, he's got huge problems in his state. I mean, like, huge problems in his state. We all know that. I mean, you see it in San Francisco. You see it in L.A. You see it in the people fleeing. California, from its inception, gained population every single year until he became governor. I mean, California was probably the height of opportunity for middle-class Americans for many, many decades in this country. No one would leave there. You know, you would go. People were drawn to there. And yet, he's the first governor that's overseen a a massive exodus out of California. And, you know, you can kind of understand if somebody comes from Minnesota and moves to Naples, better winners, all this stuff, but if you're leaving like Southern California to move to like Jacksonville, which is a great place, I never thought i You're not I'd doing leave. it because of the weather, because mm, no, they got to. probably have the best weather in the country. Uh, you're doing it because the place is so mismanaged and ill-governed uh, that you just can't take it anymore. And so, and yet with all those problems, he has a real serious fixation on the state of Florida. I mean, I think it's just bizarre that he does that. But what I would tell, what I would tell him is, you know what? Stop pussyfooting around. Are you going to. Vagina. Are you going to throw your hat in the ring and challenge uh, Joe? Are you going to get in and do it? Or are you just going to sit on the sidelines and chirp? So why don't you throw your hat in the ring and then we'll go ahead and, and talk about
3: what, what's happening. So Yeah. But I would call it kind of a pussy ish response.
2: Yeah. Well, when, whenever they bring up the weather, that's really just the ultimate thing because, yes, Georgia, Florida, the weather's nice. It's warm. Balmy. But that's the difference between California and and the East Coast. Yeah. It's literally perfect here. It's not nice out, but bugs are eating you to death. Maybe some mosquitoes from time to time to different parts of the year, but no giant horse flies like taking no. chunks out of your fucking skin. No greenheads. Yeah. Like, people leaving California is huge. Like, I never... Growing up, I never would have even considered that someday I'd be thinking about trying to flee this state. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'd rather go anywhere but here. And now I would literally go anywhere but here. Yeah. I mean, the the missus knows that
3: I'm miserable in this dump, and uh, it's only going to get worse before it gets better.
2: Like, I mean... anything if you're trying to plan a future this is not the state for it Ew. like if i like i'm literally like thinking about buying a house and i'm like ah, i can't leave here you know family stuff but i'm literally like looking at stuff like oh, i'll probably just have to buy this and then sell it after a couple years if you buy that's anything, a shitty way to look at like you're supposed to buy a house like this is my forever home this yep. is where i'm gonna be like this is where i'm gonna make my fucking stand and
3: do a little remodeling yeah and call it my own No, I mean, I I mean, you could probably attest to this, Noah. Any middle of the road community around decent schools,
2: yeah, outside of the city, you can't get under six, seven hundred thousand. They're closer to a million now. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't don't even look at Zillow in that price range. I I I zip it all the way down to five and see what I can afford. Just just (laughs) in my my neighborhood alone, it's a half a million dollars. The houses are all over a million
3: dollars. It's ridiculous. I mean, these were all literally cookie cutter two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for like the third. The highest model back 10, 15 years ago.
2: Yeah. And if you're trying to buy a house nowadays, like if you look at a, a loan calculator to like how much you're going to be paying monthly, mm. it's like if you're a single adult and you're trying to buy a house by yourself, you better have a fucking good job and have some extra dough because you're looking at like, if you're buying something that's four fifty, five hundred thousand you're, you're over upwards of 400 or four thousand, forty five hundred dollars a month. And you're just your mortgage. Yep. That's not including your property taxes, HOAs. not including your, Yeah, I don't even fucking, I'll never do an HOA. (laughs) A lot of people
3: say that, but uh, they're everywhere out here in Southern California. Uh, But listen, this isn't the Zillow cast. Uh, We are America's fastest growing political podcast, Steak for Breakfast. And as we're getting ready to to jump in with Secretary Bernhardt right now, we're going to hear one more time from one of our sponsors. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, Our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STAKE here, you're gonna get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. He was the 53rd Secretary of the U.S. Department of the Interior. He's joining us again. And we're very excited to sit down with Mr. David
5: Bernhardt.
3: Mr. Secretary, thanks for joining us on the show today.
5: Thanks, thanks for having me.
3: Our pleasure. Always looking forward to having you back. How's everything going with you?
5: Absolutely fantastic. Uh, people are uh, grabbing copies of uh, my book, You Report to Me, Accountability for the Failing Administrative State. Um, so things are good.
3: You know, we've talked with you about your book a couple of times and and, and love developing a couple of the big points in it. You know, I heard the other day when Donald Trump spoke at Bedminster that essentially, and I'm paraphrasing now, that he's making a list and checking it twice. Um, I think after going through the entire first term of his presidency, I'm sure you could attest to some of this, uh, you know, having worked with him as well. They pretty much have a good idea of some of those career appointed government officials who kind of gum up the works. Uh, you know, when it, when it, you're referencing the mandate that the president has, the the reason that the American people put them in office, when if he goes back in 2025 that he's really going to be able to, well, ungum some of the works up on, on, on in Washington, D.C. by, you know, essentially firing or clearing out a whole bunch of these people that just don't make America great again. Do you think that's a a pretty accurate, you know, looking down the road as to, as to what we might see with things like schedule F.
5: Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I think that uh, if president Trump uh, goes back for a second term. I think what you're going to see is, you know, he's a tested leader with a lot of experience and a lot of that experience is uh, um, you know, some of the onslaught he saw against him. So what do I think that means? I think that means that he'll come in with a team that um, is all aligned Um ideologically and i think that would be a big step for him but then um i think he'll give very quick direction on moving forward uh, aggressively um and there's a number of things he can do he can he can re-establish as you said uh schedule f he can uh, do what we did at the department of the interior and begin to move agencies out of washington dc he can um uh do some dramatic changes with the senior executive service uh, right off the bat. So there's a lot of, you know, basically handcuffs agencies have put on themselves that if he wants to, he could clear out. And I and I think, frankly, what you're going to see is a lot of folks um, thinking that way. Uh, there was a there was a column today in the Wall Street Journal, Kim Strassel laying out that every. Uh, everybody better be thinking boldly and uh, significantly about what do we do um, to address the failing administrative state and um, you know getting your hands around um, uh, activities that take away from just bringing people back to work frankly i mean it's three years and most of the federal government doesn't show up for work right and there are a lot of good hard-working people that are on the ground uh, patrolling and everything every day but there's a lot of offices where people haven't been in for three years, which is just absolutely uh, embarrassing. And so I think you'll see, um, I think you'd see very aggressive action. And and the thing that's important to recognize, and this is a central theme in my book, is if you have clear direction from the president who will have your back and a willingness by the leaders of agencies to move their agencies forward promptly, you can do it it's it's basically senior leaders are often you know they're they're often so uh, fearful of making decisions and now's the time for uh senior leaders to step up make decisions make direction and say no put the accountability on my shoulders and um we're we're at a time where we really need that and that's certainly uh, something that the next president can can direct demand and have their back and let them go do it. And I think we could move this country dramatically forward, not in a way that in a way that would allow for better results for the American people. So I'm very optimistic, uh, with the light, right leadership that we could turn this ship around really quickly, honestly.
3: And I like what you said about the right leadership. We, we would only hope that someone uh, who was as effective as you in, in the role that you played in the Trump administration would be open to coming back. Uh, Secretary Bernhardt. And at the same time, one of the other things you've advocated for was not only smaller government, but government that exists outside of Washington, D.C. I know you were a huge advocate of like, you know, certain uh, agencies and whatnot within the federal government existing in other states and places where they're you know, more commonly used and, and they have absolutely easier, easier access to the roles that they played. Do you think uh, bringing in the right people and bringing back the right people, more importantly, uh, is a large component of what's going to go into making something like that happen as well?
5: Well, I think people don't recognize something that I think is a really a secret, um, a secret success of the uh, Trump presidency. You know, during the Trump administration, there were probably, you know, I don't know, the number, but at any one time there were 3,500 political appointees. And what the some of the more junior appointees learned at the most effective offices was how to get stuff done. And so I actually think there's a cadre, a cadre of young folks that were, they're going to be older now, but they started off as more junior appointees, just like I did in the Bush administration, sure. but they've had the experience of working for folks who are driving change. And so I think you have this cadre of people that will go back into the next um, Republican administration and they will push and demand to push hard. And then in terms of putting um, resources in other places outside that bubble of the beltway, I'm a big believer that put people in an environment where they need to see what's happening on the ground. They can witness what's happening. They can feel it. They can understand what's happening in communities. I, I, I have to believe that, you know, um, and I certainly believe this about interior. If you have to look people in the eye at the grocery store for the consequences of your decision, that's a really different uh, because they're affected by it. That's a really different experience than if you're sitting in the department of the interior, looking at a map and making a decision. Because at the end of the day, what government is supposed to be doing is making a difference uh, on the ground, creating outcomes in people's lives. And if you have to understand the consequences of your decision, appreciate them appreciate those consequences. You're going to make a fundamentally better decision and um, and and understand the burden of, of doing the hard work to make the right decision. And so I'm a big believer that a lot of these entities, a lot of personnel can be re-resourced um, to do a better job on the ground for the American people. And um, we were able to do it in interior uh, with the Bureau of Land Management And I believe that that this could be a much broader government-wide effort.
3: Sure. A lot of those younger appointees who are now probably going to be uh, holding bigger roles in, in a second administration. There there it's a large delegation of them who come through steak for breakfast and we get to hear a lot of the same commentary that gets us excited because that's part of, you know, destabilizing the administrative state. It's not just nuking it and firing everybody. It's really taking it and spreading it out. I, I think and that goes along with the kind of presidency Donald Trump has. He was the first politician in a very long time that was actually touchable. You see it when he's going right. back and forth between his campaign events now or in between court appearances. He'll stop at like a, a famous pizza parlor or a burger joint, the bakery down in Miami this week. and just let people interact with them and to, to, you know, you see so many politicians, they walk off the steps of the Capitol. If anybody gets in their face and asks them a question, <laughs> it's like they've never even interacted with another person outside of their bubble ever. And then, well, that's uh,
5: certainly not president Trump. That's nope, for sure. Nope. It sure
3: isn't. <laughs> so he just calls everybody to him. Secretary, I, I do want to talk to you about one of the things that, that was kind of affecting us big time here in the United States uh, just last week. And it was the fallout from both metaphorically and, literally from the canadian wildfires what goes to saying uh stuff about the department of the interior and land management and stuff like that we are not on the ball with any of this stuff we see the same kind of problems throughout the entire western portion of the united states every year where essentially for three to five months a year a third of the country is on fire And, and and you know we're seeing the same stuff start to happen on a more regular basis in places like canada now and it's just not good for anybody. I mean, it looked like zombie apocalypse in, in everywhere from New York City and Boston all the way down to D.C. last week. And uh, it's it's pretty crazy. What are we not hitting on right now that's, that's allowing it to get to that point? Is it money? Is it mismanagement? Is it a combination of both? What do you think?
5: So I think it is um, a lot of self-inflicted red tape when you get right down to it. We've poured money into firefighting, but what we need are we need collaboration, uh, for fire breaks. We need to actively manage our forest better. And we need to recognize and change the way we fight um, and staff for firefighting because, you know, at the end of the day, um, this is becoming a, a big enough issue that we need to, you know, my own view, and we pu- promoted this with tr- President Trump and his budget, I believe that we needed to go to a full season firefighting cruise that if they weren't fighting fires in one location, they could be working on uh, thinning and actively managing. Because at the end of the day, these big catastrophic wildfires are the result of an extraordinary large fuel load. And, um, you know, you can come up with every reason you want. You know, we're not uh, harvesting enough timber. We're not actively managing in the forest. Uh, the climate is... Changing. It doesn't matter what you think the reason is. At the end of the day, we need to do more active management. We need to make that fuel load smaller. And you can do that by, um, you know, lo- uh, timber management. You can also do that by uh, stewardship contracting. You can do that with, um, you know, small... Um, small burns, but you have to do it. And, you know, President Trump received a lot of criticism about his interest in active management. But the fact in the matter is, he was active. absolutely right. We need thousands of miles of fuel breaks. I mean, that's the reality. And, And, you know, to have a fire break makes a huge difference. If you look at some of these communities that were really hit by wildfire, the wildfire stopped where the private forests were well managed and the federal and state forests weren't. And so we need to recognize that and say, hey, we need to do a better job. But it's really more about will than it is about money. The Congress has been pretty willing to give money, just not, um, you know, the, the administrative state has not had the will to get out there and do the work. Um, and and we haven't been willing to say, look, the red tape needs to be cut. And, and I think we've kind of passed that point. I think we're there. Sure. And with strong leadership, I think we have a chance. But you're right. It, 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 D.C. gets very different when they realize what the western united states deals with all the time that hey um there's a there's a little smoke in the sky <laughs> a little
3: a li- yeah to say the least mr secretary as always this is awesome sitting down with you we love having you on the show we'll be looking to have you back at some point in july we're going to live link the book in the show description today but for anybody that's not following you on social media listen You've heard him on Steak for Breakfast now three times. This is awesome. And he's dialed in. He knows what's up, and his social media accounts are blowing up right now. So what can we live link in the show description for our listenership to follow as
5: well? DavidLBernhardt.com.
3: Looking forward to sitting down with you again. This is the 53rd Secretary of the U.S. Department of the Interior, Mr. David Bernhardt. Thanks for joining us on the show.
5: Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
3: Not a bad way to wrap up the week. It was a busy one. Some ups, some downs, but I think we nailed it. What
2: do you think, Noah? Outstanding. California's a shithole.
3: Yes, it certainly is. If you enjoyed this episode of the Steak of Breakfast podcast, I want to hear the now nearly 250 other editions of the show. You can find us across every downloadable platform. Make sure you're subscribing to the show, writing a review, and leaving a five-star rating. Also, super important, the thenationalpulse.com. You can find our podcast there to stream. You could hear our bonus edition of the show. Every Sunday, Red Meat. We've got a great one coming down the pike this week. Jack Posobiec going to be joining us for the first time. Uh, We've been trying to set that up forever, and Raheem Kassam made that happen, so we're very thankful to him. Thanks to all our guests for joining us today, and don't worry about it. We'll be back on Tuesday. We've got an absolute heater coming in. I don't even want to tell you who's going to be here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Dr. Peter Navarro, Cash Patel, Josh Hammer, and Congressman Mike Collins will all be joining us as an all-star cast, to say the least. And besides us, on behalf of the pod team, I'm Ron Noah. Later. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and take care.
13: Then I apply an herb mint facial mask, which I leave on for 10 minutes while I prepare the rest of my routine. I always use an aftershave lotion with little or no alcohol because alcohol dries your face out and makes you look older then moisturizer, then an anti-aging eye balm, followed by a final moisturizing protective lotion. There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman. Some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable. I simply am not there. Powered by the National Pulse.